What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 138 presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I'm gobble, 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 gobble. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and he's gobble, 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 gobble. Frank, how you doing? Could you explain to me what that means? Um, no. What is, am, is it good to be gobble, 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 gobble? <laughs> I guess that's up for you to interpret. <laughs> I guess I have no idea. I'm, I'm gonna, great though. I'm gonna guess it is good because we're gobble 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 in there's you know it could be worse, right? But if you're a turkey, it's not good. Not good this time of year to be a turkey. It's a bad time to be a turkey. <laughs> it is a bad time did to I be ever, a turkey. Did I ever tell you the one time we went to the dollar store by G? There was a turkey in the parking lot. Just oh, walking really? around. Wow. Just, just walking around. That's hilarious. You know it's funny. On our way home from our um trip to Lake Geneva two weekends ago for our anniversary, there were some turkeys on the side of the road. Our, I'm pretty sure they were turkeys. And I remember I, whatever they were, there was either a chicken or a turkey. I got the animal wrong. So like, if it was, if it was a turkey, I was like, Oh look, chicken. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's a turkey, you dumb fuck. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I don't know my animals. A squirrel just walked past the window that I'm What's looking up, at. Skokes? Right. So what's up, Skokes? Happy Thanksgiving. Um, Tom says, have a great Thanksgiving, boys. Have a great fun or a fun turkey bowl. Hell yeah. Frank, you ready for the turkey bowl? I'm ready for the turkey bowl. I'm ready to just be completely sore all Thanksgiving again. Say I'm not doing it again next year. And then the day before Thanksgiving next year, be equally as excited as I was the year before. Like I'm so excited to play in it. But last year I did say I'm not playing in it again. Did you say that, that last be- year? Oh yeah. I, and I, me- I feel like I meant it too at the time. Like, if the turkey bowl again would have been, like, the following day again, I would have said no. Oh, yeah. I hear what you're saying. I I got so sore. Because I always play quarterback. And, you know, you're moving. You're running around. And, you know, my old man out of shape self is always, like, you know, tired and in pain by the end of the day. But we'll see what happens with the game tomorrow. But, Frank, we got a lot to go over today in such a little amount of time. Because of the fact that tomorrow is Thanksgiving, we are going to dedicate our entire third period to talking about Thanksgiving and you know there will be even be some Thanksgiving conversation while talking about football in period number two but first we have to get to the main point of the show which is hockey in period number one Frank, welcome to period number one. It's good to have you. A couple of these we'll roll through really quickly but one of the longer conversations I was wondering if it was going to end up being I mean sometimes conversations you know go out of whack or are longer than I thought they'd be or shorter than I thought they'd be. I'm interested to see what it's going to be like when we talk about the Vancouver Canucks for the third straight episode. We are talking about a Western Canadian team in the first period right off the bat. It was Alberta, the last two shows, but the streak of talking about Western Canadian teams to kick off the show 
is, you know, where we're going for the third week in a row. Tom says he just pulled a Luke Hughes out of a new pack of cards. Love to hear that. <laughs> uh, a Luke Hughes rookie card, I'm assuming, is probably a top five rookie card right now. I'm not in the card game. I'm not submersed in it all. But, Frank, I would assume that out of all the rookies playing in the NHL right now, Luke Hughes is probably amongst the most valuable cards. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Um, um, I would think Bedard. All the top fours. It's hard to pull a rookie card, though, because just because you pull a Luke Hughes card in his rookie year, it doesn't mean it's his rookie card because it's got to be like it has to be noted in the corner like RC. It'll say. Oh, OK. OK. Wow. <laughs> That's it, it's interesting. tough. Like, I, I don't know. I could be wrong, too, but I'm pretty sure it has to say RC. Yeah. And if he pulled it now, I would assume it has stats from the two games from last year. Like would an RC just have no stats on it? I see. I don't know. Uh, that's that's what I always yeah, assumed yeah. was like so special about a rookie card. It had no stats on it because of the fact that they haven't played anything yet. But mm-hmm. Luke Hughes did get in the two games at the end of last season where he had a goal and an assist. Um, we're going to talk about Luke's older brother right now, Quinn Hughes. I think if the season were to end today, it would be like the tightest, tightest, tightest race for the Norris Trophy because both he and Kale McCarr are on pace for 100 points as a defenseman. Eric Carlson did it last year, and it was the first time since the early 90s since a D had over 100. And now we got two guys on pace for over 100, and it's not the guy who did it last year. Mm -hmm. It's two kids who are in their early 20s. But Quinn Hughes, man, I said before the season started, he can win the Norris Trophy if he develops a shot. Because he's had 60 assists, close to 70 assists in his career, Mm -hmm. but his career high in goals was seven. But he's already got eight. It's crazy. <laughs> he's already got eight, and it's November 22nd. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. Thank so t- talk to me about Vancouver's excellence and where, where you think Luke or Quinton Hughes has a lot to do with it. All right. So let's break down the Vancouver Canucks as a whole, right? They currently sit at second in the Pacific Division. Great year. One point behind the Vegas Golden Knights. What a turnaround for the Canucks from this year to last year, or from last year to this year. The Canucks were 38-37-7 and last year and missed the postseason, and now they're a real threat to win the Pacific Division, which is just insane that those words just came out of my mouth. Since the last show, though, they're only they're two and two, but on the year overall, they've been great. And how, like you said, how about Quinn Hughes leading the Canucks in points with 30 points? Brock Besser leading the team in goals with 13. And I said, I think this is going to be one of Brock Besser's best years. It's proving to be so, uh, it's proving to be so, so far. Um, the Hughes brothers, though, they've been cooking a lot this year. I mean, not only Quinn Hughes, but Luke Hughes and Jack Hughes. And, um, this is the best possible start. I think the Canucks could have ever imagined for. And as of right now, I don't think the Canucks will end up winning the division, but I think their playoff spot is all but locked. Like even if they start to falter a little bit during the second half of the season, they have built up a healthy enough lead so far in the first half of the season. And I don't know if this, if you really care about this, but Prince Harry and Meghan Markle were at in attendance. Oh, I care. (laughs) And Prince Harry got to drop the puck 21 years after Queen Elizabeth did. And it came against the Sharks and Canucks, those two teams, when she did it 21 years ago. I thought that was interesting. That's my interesting fact of the day to everybody that's watching. I thought that's really cool because I love when there's poetry in sports. And that was a poetry-type moment. These people are full-blown Canucks fans. 
I mean, the the way Meghan Markle was talking about Quinn Hughes after the game, I was like, we got to get her to a Devils game. We got <laughs> we got to get her to a Devil. Introduce her to the fam. Introduce her to what the Hughes insane. fam. I, I, I would no. Why wouldn't I, Frank? I love pop culture. I love hype. I love what people are talking about. That was awesome. Now, are I, they like Canucks awesome. fans? Because like, I think they live in Canada. Isn't that what makes Prince Harry like? Does he is, is, isn't that what I makes they lived here? Isn't maybe they do? Isn't that because, what makes them polarizing though? That they kind of separated themselves from well, the royal family. He left the royal family. Yeah, that's, what, no, that's what that's what he makes has no them, succession to the throne or whatever. What makes them like? Pop but, I the, but I thought they moved here. Maybe they did. Actually, look up that up right now. I think you're right though. I think they might live in Canada, but I thought they moved here because Meghan Markle's from the states, isn't she? Um, I'm gonna look that up right. If he's now. from. If she's from the states and he's from England, why would they move to Canada unless like you just really wanted to live in Canada? Yeah, I mean I thought they lived in California or something like that. They very well might. Let's see what they say. Um yeah, they live in Southern California, Beverly Hills. Yeah. So why why the Canucks? Maybe that is maybe it is because Frank that um the queen all maybe that time they, ago, maybe she had drop ties a, to Vancouver. Or something. Yeah, yeah, and like, you know, it is called British Columbia for a reason, right? Right. So I don't know. I have no idea the history between the royal family and the hockey club that comes from Vancouver, British Columbia. But I'll tell you what, I love seeing the fam there. The Canucks have it all going for. They're two and two. You you nailed it right on the head. I think Ryan Whitney. It was either Whitney or Biz said it on Chicklets this week. If Vancouver goes five hundred. The rest of the way, they'll be like securely in a playoff spot. Well, that's I what think, I mean. They're I don't in. think they're going to go five hundred. They're in. They're locked in. the The division is what's hard for me to picture them winning well, the division. Here's the thing, and yeah, we do talk. We'll 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 include this team. We have it written as our uh, fourth bullet point right here. We'll just combine them into one. That the Los Angeles Kings are sick. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're eleven three and three, dude. And then we know we know about Vegas. Right, they've been on a little bit of a slide lately, um, but they had the best start to a season a Stanley Cup champion has ever had. They are the defending Stanley Cup champions. You got Vancouver. I think Seattle's pretty good. Calgary's starting to finally, you know, kind of come out of it a little bit. Edmonton sucks. I don't know about them at all. But I mean, when I look at the Pacific Division, I'm like Vancouver. They really do have a chance to be a top three team here, and I do think. Yeah, if they stay 500, they'll make the playoffs the rest of the way going 500. But, like, if they go 600 winning percentage, then they could host the first round. Well, remember my hot take was that the Pacific Division is the worst division in hockey? Is yeah, that you were that as well. Is that kind of true? No. The Oilers stink? No. What do you mean, no? No. The, the, the central, top three are the stacked, cent- and then it's... Frank, Frank, the only team in the division that sucks, sucks, that has no chance is... San Jose. You wrote out the Oilers last week. I did. I'm, so, the, some so of the teams in the – got no chance. They, I do think they have no chance, but they are better than the second-worst team in almost every other division. That's where I'm kind of like looking at best – like the Central Division is the worst division. The Central Division is terrible. Statistically, I don't know. I'm looking at the standings right now. I'm like, the Blues have 19 points, and they and the Kraken have 19 points, and they suck. Right, and then the Ducks. No, no, no. The Blues suck. I know. I think the Kraken kind of stink too, but 
don't forget the Kraken's played 20 games and the Blues have only played 19. Yeah, so I'm not 17. They got three games in hand. I'm just saying the Coyotes have been kind of electrifying this year. The Kraken kind of stunk. The Flames kind of stunk. The Ducks kind of stunk. I don't know, VP. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just saying I when all is said and done at the end of the year, I, I might have chosen the Central over the Pacific. The the Pacific have a team, have an extra team with more than 15 points. And yeah, the huh? Sharks, the, they're oh. There are six teams in the Pacific with 15 points, and there are five in the Central. But I look at the teams in playoff spots from the Central. I I think the Pacific's going to end up sending five. I think think one of the Flames or the Kraken or the Ducks, one of those teams is going to go on a run and get hot. And I, I, I just, I do. I look at the Jets are in third place in the Central. And they're 10, 5, and 2. Good for them. But, like, do you really see the Jets sustaining that for all season long? I I see. Here's what I mean. The top three in the Pacific, I see as cup contenders. The top three in the Central, I only see two of them as cup contenders. That's fair. And I think the stinky teams in the Pacific have a better chance of climbing out of the rut than the stinky teams in the Central. Oh, the Predators are cooked. The Wild are cooked. The Blackhawks are cooked in terms of making the playoffs. I think all three of those teams like where the Wild and the Blackhawks probably like where their future is going. The Predators probably don't. I think the Yotes are pretty good. Uh, I said that coming into the year, but I'm not sure they're like they're like the Ducks. I would equivalent them to the Ducks. Um, and the Flames and the Oilers, they were supposed to be near the top of the division. They're at the bottom because the division has been so good. I like I don't know man. I think the central sucks. I like I'd be shocked if five teams if four teams make the playoffs from this division. Well no, I, that was my other thing I said. My hot take was that only three teams were going to make it from the central. Yeah. But I don't know. I just I don't think the Blues are terrible. I don't. Not right well, now. They play hard. They get good goaltending. They still have somewhat of the core left from the team that won the Stanley Cup in 2019. I love Robert Thomas. I think Jordan Kyrou's a dog. Um, you know, they have Tory Krug and Pareko. Those guys aren't what they once were. Bennington, um, who's the other goalie playing with them right now? They got another good goaltender that's been playing well this year. Um, Craig Berube, the coach. I mean, they always they're they're overperforming in my estimation. I don't foresee it lasting. They got but, a few games in hand though. That's huge. Yeah, that is huge. Like they're on um, they're they're knocking on the door of a division spot with three games in hand. But then again, everybody that they're t- uh, that everybody that's ahead of them has 17 games played. But like you look at the Pacific division and they've played so many more games than teams in the central. Like the Hawks have only played 16 games. Yeah, so have the Devils. And then you look at the Pacific Kings uh or no, not Kings. Kraken 20 games, Knights 19 games, Canucks 19 games. Like it's just unbelievable. Why is like there's no, nobody playing a lot of games in the Central Division? Yeah, uh, that I can't. Or explain. or the Metro really too. I know the, the Capitals the De- have 15 games played. Yeah, the Flyers have 18, and if the Devils had 18 and they if they had the same number of games and the Devils won their two games in hand, they'd be in second place in the Metropolitan Division. So that's why people Weird. freaking out about them are like. Yeah, I get it. They haven't played all that great, like without Jack Hughes, but he's back now. Tough loss to the Rangers, but like you're going to lose a game to a good team every now and again. Um, you know, sometimes chill in November. But 
I I look at these divisions and I'm like, okay, the Metro. I think the Metro's probably the second best division. I think the Atlantic's the best division. I know I said Pacific coming into the year. Um, right now I'd put Pacific seven or second, and then the I think I would put strong. I would put Metro third behind Pacific. I think. Like I don't know the 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 reason my yeah, issue I with think the, the Metro is better than the Pacific. My right issue now. with the Metro is I don't trust two of the teams holding top three spots right now. I think I think the final three in every division right now ends up the final three except the Metro. That's my issue. I just I think it ends up Colorado, Dallas, Winnipeg. See? I think it ends up. Los Angeles, Vegas, Vancouver. And I think it ends up Boston, Florida, Toronto. See, I think t- Tampa Bay, once Vasilevsky gets back, they're playing so well without him. I know. That's my one. And once he comes my back, one if, yes. and they're just going to go on a tear, I, I think. They played well with Johansson, too. They might ease Vasilevsky in and make it like a 1-2 deal until the playoffs. And then you ride Daddy Vasilevsky to the cup. Uh, that wouldn't shock me at all, Frank. That, that would okay. That's the one thing. The one other than is the Lightning. They're a wild card for me. They could they could win the division or they could miss the playoffs entirely, and neither would surprise me. That's, I know. But Vancouver, man, I like what they're doing over there, dude. And I used to be like, there's no way Quinn doesn't play for the Devils one day. That was kind of riding on Vancouver, kind of failing with their rebuild because it looked like that was the direction they were going, but. Not anymore. Brock Besser, you know who he reminds me of? Not his style of play, but like the trajectory of his career. Mm. Uh, Jonathan Marcheseau. I love Brock Besser. So do I. He went to North Dakota, back when North Dakota. Ooh, we're going to talk a little college hockey at, at some point. I don't think we are on this episode, but we are going to do plenty of college hockey. BU plays Quinnipiac tonight. Max Celebrini <laughs> versus the defending champions. That's a plus hockey right there tonight. <laughs> ESPN plus make sure you watch it or at least keep tabs on it. Um, the, I have no idea what I, where I was going with that. Brock Besser went. To oh, North Brock Dakota. Besser. <laughs> he went to North Dakota. <laughs> Jonathan Marsh, Jonathan Marsh is so when he was with F- Florida, they like didn't want him anymore or not Marsh. I'm thinking of it's Riley Smith. I'm saying. Riley Smith, yeah. Riley Smith, like $6 million contract. Oh, he's not producing enough for his contract. Oh, we're Florida. Hey, Vegas, in the expansion draft, we will give you Jonathan Marcheseau, this good young player, if you take Riley Smith's bad contract off our hands. Riley Smith goes to Vegas. Not only has Marcheseau become a Conn Smythe Trophy winner, all-time leading scorer in their franchise's history, Riley Smith becomes a dog. And Florida probably regrets thinking that that was a bad contract. Vancouver might be thanking their lucky stars. They didn't treat Brock Besser like a bad contract because he's just been an absolute animal this year. Healthy. And you know what? Shout out Rick Tockett. TNT guy, formerly, you know, friend of the you know, whole hockey scene off the ice once he left the Coyotes. You know, he was on Spitting Chicklets all the time. He's on TNT with Gretzky and Biz and Anson Carter and all them. Um, now he's the coach of the freaking Canucks. And I think if the season ends today, he's coach of the year. And Brock Besser will have his best year he's ever had in the NHL this year. 
Yeah, I mean, what would it take? Like, what does he need for you to say that that was the case? 57 points. Are points everything in that? Because I, I think for I'm best talking career, about I'm talking statistically, though. Okay, I get what you're saying. He for will me, have a career year this year. No matter what's like. his career high in goals. 29, which he probably passes that, too. I could see him being a 30 goal scorer. It's if, almost halfway there. We're a quarter through the season. Yeah, I mean, if he scores 30 goals, it's his best year. I don't care how many assists he has. Brock Besser's there to snipe. He's you, you, you got Quinn Hughes to have 70 assists, and Elias Pettersson will have 70 assists probably. Um, you know what, too? The new best rat in the NHL, like that used to be Marshan. You can argue it's JT Miller now. That guy, that guy, he's such an asshole. Every time you watch him play, all he does is piss the other team off. And then you look at the box sheet at the end of the day, three points. It didn't even feel like, but he's just so good at multiple things. And he's really helping Vancouver. So I would have to say, though, I do put a lot of stock in points because points are goals. If you have 100 points, that means 100 goals were scored. Yeah. Because of you. So I get what you're I, saying. I do put it like a ton of stock in points. I like do. You have 50 assists, man. That was 50 goals contributing to your team. I do too. I just, I believe like there are certain players who have certain skill sets. Mm-hmm. And Brock Besser, when he was coming out of no deck, it was like, this guy's a sniper. You know? And, right, right. Yeah. I know 100%. Because then the other thing, like if you're playing devil's advocate here, is. You could say, well, you know, you could get some cheapy assists that really didn't lead to the goal. You had the secondary that didn't matter, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I follow a lot of pages on Twitter or X that um, they count primary points. So goals and primary assists. And usually the top, top, top point getters have mostly primary points. So, you know, when I think of somebody like Jack Hughes, or Connor McDavid, they're not really getting too many. I mean, I'm sure they get a couple, but most of the points they make the pass that leads to the goal. And there are a lot of ways to evaluate hockey players and what they bring to the table. Like, if I don't care if Timo Meyer has zero assists, but if he has 40 goals, Timo Meyer came to the rink and did what he needed to do. I don't need him to have a single assist. Go out there, be a wrecking ball, and score goals. Same thing with Ovechkin. Now, I know in Ovechkin's prime, he had 50 to 70 assists a season, 110 points. You know, the guy's going to end his career with over 800 assists, which is a lot. That's Hall of Fame on assists alone. But you wanted him to score goals first and foremost. There were a couple 50-20 years for Ovechkin too, or 50-30 years. Um, But yeah, Brock Besser, just an absolute beast. I'm glad you like him just as much as I do. Hashtag college hockey. Do you like the way, like, do you like the assist system that they have in the NHL or yeah. would you like it more like the NBA? No, I think the NBA. Cause like it, you don't get an assist if you pass the ball to the guy and he dribbles around and then shoot. It's got to like, you got to pass to him. He's got to shoot. And then you get the assist. Assists are much more hard to come by in the NBA. I think that makes sense for basketball because me passing it to you and then you dribbling for five minutes and then shooting the guy who passed it to you didn't help you get the shot. <laughs> he helped get you the ball, but basketball is all about passing before shooting anyway. And you're not going to give out, you're not going to give out five assists. But, but what about like, you could say that in the NHL, like, all right, you took the puck away in your own zone. 
you passed it up to the guy on the blue line. He skates in a little bit. And then he kind of like circles around. Like that's kind of the same thing, right? I, like, I see it differently because the guy who he the guy who made the pass, he broke out the play. I would true. be cool if in the NBA, if the pass went from behind the center line to inside the center line, and then they dribbled and shot, I'd be cool with giving that guy an assist. You created the breakout. Mm-hmm. And same thing in the NHL. If if you create a breakout, like if if Luke Hughes passes to Jack Hughes and that creates a breakout and then Jack feeds it through the seam of the middle of the ice to Nico Heischer and he snipes it, both of those initial passes were incredibly important. I do think there are some third assists that get boned. Of course. Like there 100%. are times there are I know times exactly what you're talking about. where a third assist as absolutely deserved, but it's not allowed. It's not a thing in the NHL. Like I still, I always revert back to this when I have this conversation. The Devils scored a power play goal in the 2012 Eastern Conference Finals. I believe I have yet to see. If someone believes they have a better one, you could send it my way, and I'll watch it, and I'll, I'll be honest. I believe it is the greatest power play goal ever scored because Harold had the puck at the top of the zone. And he passed it to Henrique on the half wall, who passed it to Clarkson, who was in the bumper position, then down to the side of the net to Zubris, who fed it through a past Henrik Lundqvist to Kovalchuk, and he sniped it. And every player touched the puck, but didn't hold on to it. It was boom, 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 goal. It was the most delightful goal. And I believe wholeheartedly, that all five of those guys deserved a point on that play and none of it happens without, but you know, that doesn't happen in the end. That's how assists work. I don't know. It was Kovalchuk from Zubris and Clarkson, but without Harold at the top of the zone, making that first pass to Henrique, it doesn't go in. If you're looking like to watch that. the goal, you go to YouTube and you type in Kovalchuk I, power play goal versus Rangers. I do. I don't think that the assist system will ever change. No drastically and it might change a little bit over the years just like a tad right they might figure out ways to change it but it'll never be like that we'll never have like five point plays where five guys are getting assist unless yeah. like things would have to like really change <laughs> yeah and i'm not even necessarily saying it should but it's just one of those like that's the difference between hockey and basketball to me it's in a- basketball you kind of have to pass it around a bunch to create an open lane for the shot and, like, they're not going to give five guys an assist, so they're stricter on even giving one. Mm-hmm. But in hockey, you almost have to, like, how many unassisted goals are scored a week? Probably, like, five. Probably For, more like, than you think. There might be. But, like, there was no game yesterday. But I bet if you go back and look on Monday, I bet there's a chance that not a single unassisted goal was scored. I'm going to check really quick. Yeah, do it. Because – and. And I'm there every are a lot sport- of games Monday though. If there were like two games, no, like- I think there was like five or six. Um, and there might there very well might have been. I just feel like most seven. of the time, oh, there was that's a pretty fair sample size. Then it'll be quick. I can do this quick. Yeah, I mean, the assists game in the NHL, I do value assists uh, equally as much as goals. I really, really do. Um, yeah. but I, you know, I think you only have to give out two. But I do think there are times where, like, there are some third assists. Like, I heard Ed Olchek talk about one time when Patrick Kane was on his point streak the year he won the MVP. 
Go ahead. Oh, first of all, before I forget, Tom says it should not change. Leave it alone. No third assist, no four, no five. Leave it be. I agree. Continue your thought, and then I got something to say. When Patrick Kane was on that uh, point streak, he was breaking Ed Olchek's franchise record. And Ed talked about how there were a couple third assists that boned him from keeping that streak alive, you know? Yeah, <laughs> You know, sometimes you make that pass. But, no, you got to leave it at one goal, two assists, max. But a lot of guys contribute to pucks going in nets a lot more, in my opinion, than a shot being made in the NBA. That's the, first, all, the only reason I brought that up at all. The first game I looked at for Monday, there was an unassisted goal. Oh, okay. <laughs> by Connor McDavid. All right. <laughs> ah, doesn't matter, <laughs> it doesn't matter. That was the first one I looked at. That's funny. You know, though, McDusty has McDusty has his fair share of unassisted goals. I will I will take that. Very, very true. None very of true. the second one I looked at. Stars Rangers had nine goals. Let's see. Was there one in there? Yeah, Sam Steele, unassisted. It happens more often than we think. Was it shorthanded? Oh, I don't know. Hold on. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, you know, shorthanded, you create a breakaway and you score. Like That's kind of how. But it, it happens a No, lot. it happens. It's not like uncommon. No, like... no, it's not uncommon at all. Now watch. The Devils are going to win tonight and all their goals are going to be unassisted. <laughs> it's going to be Jack Hughes from nobody and then Jesper Bratt from nobody. All breakaways. Um, but, yeah, no. I, I The only reason I brought up like the extra assist is like when we were comparing it to the NBA. Like I think, I think it's a little bit harder to create shot contributions without working together and passing than in the NBA, like they are more strict. And I think it's for a reason. I think it keeps basketball, basketball and hockey both do it the right way for their sports. This was one of my favorite topics we've ever talked about on the really? show. Yeah, it was a, it was a beautiful topic about assist and it wasn't yeah. even planned. And I, and I, and I do value points, but there are some players where I'm like, if they have less points, but they're incredible defensively, like a fine example, I'm watching the LA Kings play the Yotes two nights ago. Deneau scored, Philip Deneau. But that guy, he could have 10 goals and 10 assists, and I think the Kings would still be happy with him. He is freaking unbelievable in all three zones. And the Kings, they use him as the 2C right now. Mm -hmm. They got Kopitar on the top line, and they use Pierre-Luc Dubois as their third-line center. That's why I think they're so good is they probably have – I think the Oilers, the Devils, the Maple Leafs, they have like the top top two center duo. But I think, I think the Kings might be, have the best top three. Do you know no Trevor Moore scored an unassisted goal in that game? No, did he? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right. Well, Tom says he had some unassisted goals in his uh, career. One, he stripped of the D-man from the puck at the blue line and scored on the breakaway. That might be the most common unassisted goal, would you say? Oh, yeah. 100%. Creating a breakaway chance for yourself? 100%. Um, I love a good assist though. Like it makes the uh, game. I I think guys who create plays that game we watched together a couple weeks ago, or I guess a couple days ago, we didn't really watch it together, but you were over when the devils were playing the penguins and mm -hmm. Luke Hughes had a play where he entered the zone and he sent one over to Jesper Bratt and Bratt was able to snipe it. Cause he had all this room. Jari left half the net wide open. Cause he probably would have bet his bottom dollar that Luke Hughes was going to shoot. And because of the way he entered the zone and weaved through, damn, what a play. Assists are so satisfying, too. Like, Do you see this? 
A good old one-timer. Oh, yeah. How about the Zaka goal? Did you see the Zaka goal against the Lightning the other day? Mm -hmm. The play David Posternock made to get this man the puck on an open net. I mean, it, it was just – and by open net, I mean goalie playing in net, but he was – his jock strap was hanging from the ceiling, so Zaka had a wide open net to shoot. He would have been a disaster of a miss. Um, if he were wearing a Devils jersey, he would have shot it over the top of the net. Um, but since he's in a Bruins jersey, he was able to put it right there. Um, Frank, very fun conversation. You know who else gets a lot of assists? William Nylander. William. <laughs> Will Nye, the hockey guy. Nylander, William Nylander, Billy Nee, Billy Nye. This guy is unreal. I want to talk to you about him. He, okay. the the Maple Leafs, they're still, they still haven't returned to action from returning from the Sweden games, the global series. Um, in the first game, Nylander had a couple points to lead a 2-0 comeback against the Detroit Red Wings mm -hmm. in regulation. And then against the Minnesota Wild, he scored the OTGWG. He had an assist on a goal scored by Austin Matthews. Frank, what's your take on William Nylander? Does he stay with Toronto? This is a contract year. An article went up on PuckPros.com today about five teams that should be all in on William Nylander when the season is all said and done, if he can't stay with Toronto. Well, I do think the Maple Leafs are going to do everything in their power. To keep William Nylander, obviously. Bill Nye, the Lander guy. Um, he's on an absolute tear this season. 17 games that he's played, 12 goals, 15 assists. He's been more of a threat, honestly, when he hits the ice than Austin Matthews this season. And that's saying a lot because Matthews has 14 goals and 7 assists. Great. However, Austin Matthews is obviously the more deadly, lethal goal scorer. And you get nervous when he's out there. But Nylander, man, he's been doing it all this year. And when he's not scoring, he's finding other ways to create scoring chances for other players on the team. He has a point in all 17 games this season. That is a franchise record for the Toronto Maple Leafs to start a season. Interestingly enough, which this kind of boggled my mind a little bit, the OT winner that Nylander scored against the Wild was his first GWG of the season, which was a little surprising given he has 12 goals. I mean, GWGs are valuable, and he's only got one this year. Not that that really matters or takes away from what he's doing, but, I mean, his point streak's unbelievable. Next up on his list of records to break is the longest point streak in Maple Leafs history, which came last season when Mitch Marner went on a streak of 23 games. Will it be done, VP? At this point in time, I think there's no reason to think otherwise. I think he, he gets it done. I have no reason to believe not. He's been on a tear. The only thing that worries me is sometimes teams come out of a lull when they take this long trip. Yeah. Um. You know, I was worried about that, you know, a couple different times throughout my sports watching life. But I, the Maple Leafs have it all going on offense. I think William Nylander is sick. I know Austin Matthews is the best player on the team. And, you know, who's going to have more points over the next 500 career games? It's going to be Matthews. But Nylander is just a tick below. You know, right right now he's equally as valuable as Marner. And some people would probably say more. There would be some recency bias in that because Marner has been the slightly better player over the last, you know, three or four years. But this year, I would say they're about on par with each other. Nylander's got the point streak, and he's real cool. You know, he he wears cool clothes. He's got awesome hair and a cool beard. Uh, Marner's kind of a dork. Like, you know, he's Swedish. He's also a free agent at the end of the year, so everybody wants him to come play for their team. There's just a little bit extra ambiance 
with William Nylander so far this year, but man, is he valuable to the Maple Leafs. I would not let him go if I were them, but if you have to choose between Marner and Nylander, Nylander was really good last year. He's He wasn't what he's doing right now last year, though. Right. And I think Marner has a little bit more of a longer sample size of being a 95 to 100 point guy, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think my long-term trust is still with Marner a little more. But And I don't know. Will Nylander take a discount? You know, will, will he take 10? Just be a $10 million player and be happy with it. Or does he have to be in between Marner and Matthews? Because he's not going to make more than Matthews. The Leafs will not give him a penny more than what they're giving Matthews. They'd be dumb to. Um, But does he believe he deserves in between Matthews and Tavares or Matthews and Marner? He probably does. And that that could cripple them. That could really hurt them in the long term. It'd be hard to have five guys on your team making $50 million against an 80s. And I know the cap's going to go up. The cap's probably going to go up three to four mil, mm-hmm. which is half of an elite player's contract or one really good depth player's contract. Um, I don't know what I would do. Honestly, they, they have some interesting decisions to make over there in Toronto when it comes to the Nylander stuff. I would love to see William Nylander take 11 and a half sheets for five years or so from your Chicago Blackhawks. That'd be nice. That would be awesome. And I think they are going to be a free agent machine because you get to come live in Chicago, play for the Blackhawks, but now they have Connor Bedard. You know, it was one thing to be a winger. You weren't promised playing with Patrick Kane because he's a winger too. And so these high danger wingers, the Blackhawks have never had a more attractive reason in terms of hockey ops, to bring a guy over, Nylander and Bedard, with you know whether it be with Reichel or with you know Oliver Moore one day maybe, or maybe you let Oliver Moore drive his own second line with Reichelers. Like there are so many options if you bring in a guy like Nylander, um, and then you could fill out your bottom six with guys like Frank Nazar and Colton Dock, and you know all these guys that you're developing and trying to get this stuff done. I think the world of Nylander, I also think Montreal would make a lot of sense because they have a lot of young centers. Los Angeles and New York, I included in the article because they're big money teams and big money cities and big money Nylander likes the bright lights. I included them. I could also see him going to play with his good friend David Pasternak in the Boston Bruins. Um, They would have to make some things move. Obviously, Shattenkirk will be gone. JVR will be gone. Some of the guys they brought in this last year will be gone. And I could see the Bs moving one of their D that makes a lot of money. Good player, whether it be Grizzlick or something. Move him for a centerman that's cheaper but, you know, good. And then you can all of a sudden afford Nylander. You know, there are a lot of different options that could come in. Um, I don't know. Uh, Skoke says, come on in, wingers. We here have a beef slice on a line with Bedsy would be great. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. We, well, Skokes, Frank, and I will take you to Villanopoly, and then after we'll go to, you know, wherever. We'll take you to Chicago Cut or something like that. Like, that's what we're looking to do um, with some of these wingers to come play with the Hawks. I do think it will happen. I mean, they lured in Marion Hosa. And Marion Hosa, I think to this day, there are some people who throw John Lester at me, and John Lester is in the mix. But I wholeheartedly think Marion Hosa is the greatest free agent signing in Chicago sports history. Lester got the one. Hosa was an extremely important par for three. 
And I think that just carries a little bit more weight. Um, Lester would probably be firmly in second place. But um, I don't know. I really think Nylander could be a hawk. It would not shock me at all. I hope you're right. Would that be something you want, though? I, it would be something I want. I don't like, get my hopes up for stuff like that because it just doesn't ever seem realistic. Well, you can get your hopes up for the Hawks getting a huge winger like that. They Well, they them. will be big in free agent signings. I yes. said that because now that you have Bedard, they're marketable. Like you, People want to come play here. So and why not be excited? And it's, it's Chicago not, anyway. Like People want to play for Chicago. Like Yeah, so like why not be excited? Because I just don't. I what if it's, if it's not Nylander, it'll be someone else. Well, That's yeah. They're going to clamp down the Maple Leafs on Nylander. Now that Matthews is signed. Yeah, now that Matthews is signed. Unless, like, they have a disappointing season. And Nylander goes, you know, this is bullshit. I I just, come on. Like, I'm tired of losing. Like McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like, they got to be getting a little annoyed here. Like, all right, come on, people. We're in our prime. Get us a Stanley Cup. Like, if Nylander feels that way about Toronto, he might say, I'm out of (laughs) here. We're not moving anywhere. We're not going anywhere. See, if I'm the Hawks, you just made me realize, like, think of something. First of all, William Nylander, his dad and brother played for the Blackhawks, and he's the only one that hasn't. So, and you know, Alex stunk. <laughs> I hated that trade the second it was made. <laughs> Henry Yoki Haru's an okay defenseman for Buffalo. He would look really nice on the Hawks' third pair right now. But their dad was pretty good. And, you know, he wasn't like a Hall of Famer superstar. Like, William's the best of the three by far, but he's the only one that never put on a Blackhawk sweater. If I were the Hawks, my target would be Leon. That would be my target. Could you imagine? Because oh, you could – You're getting you, my hopes up. You can me. run – you could run Bedard Dreisaitl down the middle until Dreisaitl starts to get into, like, his mid-30s. Then you could switch him to Bedard's wing and bring in another center or whoever you have developing and whatnot, that would be my main goal. Would but be Dreisaitl's to bring in... not going to want to leave, I don't think, right? Like, you're playing with McDavid. I don't I don't know if either you're of them. You're good for 100-plus a year. Like, why leave the Oilers? I don't know if either of them stick around. Really? I'm starting to feel that way, yeah. Wow. I, I, McDavid I... talks as he loves this organization. Like, you know, we'll get through it. But, like. I know he's a, he's becoming a liar to me though. Well, yeah, he lied about the whole coaching thing. Remember, I, I told you yeah, my trust like, my trusted McDusty was a little bit shaken. The words that come out of his mouth with really, you didn't know that your former junior coach <laughs> was being hired to be the okay, Connor. Yeah, I know, dumb idiot, this guy, but I'm not that dumb. Like, come on. I don't know. It's weird times in Edmonton. They stink too. We already touched on that. Um, Frank Patrick Line. He was benched. He was Patrick benched Leine was by the benched. Columbus Blue Jackets. Tough start to the season. Not for a lack of chances. Not for a lack of effort. What do you think of the move? He called it the most embarrassing moment of his career. Yeah, I mean, it marked the first time he's ever been a healthy scratch in his NHL career. And you know, I got some takes from from both sides of it. Like, I don't know if I fully agree with him being a healthy scratch. I could see it from both sides. From Line's point of view, why would you bench me when the whole team is struggling? The Blue Jackets are in the middle of a nine-game losing streak. The whole team is playing bad right now. If he had a much better team around him, he'd probably be getting being a lot more productive than two goals and one assist that we've seen so far. So first of all, pump the brakes. It's not my fault. This team just stinks overall. But then you could say from the Blue Jackets' point of view, the healthy scratch, Patrick, was just a, 
was just a way for you to rest up and kind of refocus on Patrick Laine. We all remember Patrick Laine was electric in his first four seasons in the NHL. In his first first four seasons in the league, he recorded the seventh most uh, goals of any NHL player with 138. In Laine's past 165 games with the Blue Jackets, he only has 60 goals. It's clear he doesn't have the same drive with the Columbus Blue Jackets that he did with the Winnipeg Jets. And I blame the team that surrounds him. I mean, there are teams that would kill for a player like Patrick Laine on their team come the trade deadline. Not saying he's going to get traded, but the way the Blue Jackets make it sound is like, oh, Patrick Laine is not the right fit here. You're telling me, like, I don't care how lackluster he's been this year. If an offer was made to the Golden Knights and said, hey, Golden Knights, you want Patrick Laine? They'd say, are you kidding me? We'll take Patrick Laine off your hands. Absolutely. Or a team like the, the New York Rangers or the Dallas Stars. I mean, come on now. Don't just blame Laine for his lack of play and what's going on. And uh, I believe he's returning tonight in the lineup against the Blackhawks, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to be that guy who gives up hope on Patrick line until I see him fault with a good team surrounding him. He had a bad year last year and he had over 20. Exactly. He's a really good player. Exactly. I would love to have him on the devils. He'd That's score, 50, he'd score 50 with Hughes. Teams would gobble him up if they knew he was available. No pun intended. <laughs> it really wasn't intended. <laughs> no, I agree. Patrick Lines, he has the ability to be a superstar. And I like what Columbus is doing long term. Like I think Fantilli's a dog. I like Kent Johnson. They're not even handling Kent Johnson, right? Really. You know, the whole thing with Babcock, things are not right in Columbus right now. And Pascal Vincent, they scratch Line. We'll see really good numbers in his career against the Hawks. You might remember he had a hat trick one time. Um, against the Blackhawks when he was a member of the Jets. But Skokes mm-hmm. brings up a good point. Columbus Blue Jacket situation reminds me of the last Hawks season with Colleton. We brought in TJ, Jones, etc. Poop. Um, I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah, no, okay. I agree. I agree. They, you know, the, you, you think you're getting like your really good second-line center with Tyler Johnson and you bring in Seth Jones. And I told you that contract stunk the second they gave it to it's Seth so Jones. Um, that might, that's the only red flag about the current Blackhawks rebuild right now is how are they going to deal with that? Um, but Hey, the Dallas stars, they have a lot of money going out to Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben, and they're not worth the money that they're good, but they're not worth the money that they're getting. They found a way to make it work. So maybe Kyle Davidson does have some kind of plan. A lot of his best defensemen are going to be cheap for the duration of Jones's contract. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, they brought in freaking line a, like you, you traded Pierre-Luc Dubois, a really, really, really top end centerman for like a goal scoring winger. Uh, Listen, I love line a, he could be a hall of fame goal scorer. If he were to have kept up the first four years of his career, pretty much pre COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, but like goal scoring wingers, they, those guys do come and go premier franchise centermen really don't, Mm -hmm. they really don't at all. So, you know, even like the lower end franchise centerman like Dubois, you know, he would be a number one center on most teams. You know, those guys just don't grow on trees. And I don't exactly. Columbus is they're strange, but they're you struggling. Know, Let's I want them. No, I want them to be good, though. I really, really do. I thought they were going to have that, you know, like sneaky year, potentially. We both called them that. Yeah. Competitively and, that's anything, bad. and that's anything but. No, they suck. But. I mean, it. I think there's a good chance the Hawks win tonight, and that would be their tenth loss in a row for the Blue Jackets. So. Yeah, 
Well, the four worst teams in the league are the Sharks, Hawks, Blue Jackets, and Oilers right now. Mm-hmm. And oil, if the oil come up, it'll probably be like, you know, Montreal or something. I, don't, I would have to look at the standings. But, yeah, they're bad. There's a clear bottom three right now. Mm-hmm. And the two Blue Jackets are one of them. So we'll see. Um, Frank, there was a goalie goal in the AHL over the weekend. Alex Nedeljkovic in the Pittsburgh Penguins organization yeah. for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins scored a goalie goal. It is the first professional goalie goal since Linus Allmark did so last year with the Boston Bruins against the Vancouver Canucks. Frank, did you see the goal? What do you think? I did see the goal. Did you know it's his second career AHL goal? And he is now the AHL's all-time leader in career goals by a goalie. Yep, in AHL history. It's crazy. It's rare that you see a goalie goal in any setting. Especially though, in a one-goal game, it was a one-goal game, and he took the shot. A lot of coaches don't like that because no, because you know, if you miss, it's icing. It's icing, and then it's only a one-goal game, so it's rare as it is, let alone in a one-goal game. But nonetheless, it happened. Is a goaltender scoring a goal the rarest occurrence in sports, or is there something more rare? To me, it's not. To me, a perfect game in baseball. Maybe the rarest thing in all of sports because I mean it happened what uh, Domingo Herman or somebody who was his name the guy in the Yankees yeah there. Domingo Herman it was Herman right and that was like the first one in like eight years goalie goals have been happening not quite as long this span so I mean it happens but it's like or maybe it was more than eight years the perfect game I don't it know. was it was more it was like it was it was like crazy 30, right yeah thirteen years but if if there's something else I'm missing jog my memory but like. It's definitely on the Mount Rushmore of rarest things in sports. It is. Um, there have been a total of 16 goals scored by a goaltender in the NHL. And this was in the AHL. I don't know how many in the AHL, but um, the most recent to do so was Linus Allmark. And then before that, it was Pekka Rinne in 2019-20. And before that, it was Mike Smith in 13-14. There was a couple years. There were like, oh, Martin Brodeur was credited with one in 12-13. That was the short season. Um, then Cam Warren had one in 11-12. And then before that, it was 05 6 So, so it's, it's rare. It's like, rare. Where does, it, where does it sit on your rare, like Mount Rushmore? Is yeah. it on your Mount Rushmore? Uh, yeah, it might be one because there have it's been – More than a perfect game. There have been more perfect games. There have been 24 perfect games. Um, There's another thing that doesn't get talked about nearly as much. Yeah, 24 perfect games. Um. There's one thing it never gets talked about in terms of like the most rare things in sports, but baseball has another thing that can happen. The cycle? No, the cycle happens more often than this. Yeah, it happens once a season at least. Yeah, I will say this. The thing I'm thinking of has happened more times than I realized. It happened 114 times, but this league is 120 years old, so I guess it's really, you know, will there be as many goalie goals or – Perfect. What is it? I don't not, hear it. Uh, an immaculate inning. Oh yeah, that's tough. That's tough. But it actually looks like there's like two. It or happened three this past season. year though. Yeah. It ha- there was two this season. Yeah. Johan Oviedo. Oh, they were both by Pittsburgh Pirates picture pitchers. Johan Oviedo and Colin Holderman each had one in May of 2023, and those were the only ones in the MLB. Um. Yeah, I know. Oh, Hayden Wisniewski did one last year for the Cubs. He's the guy who was traded to the – it was either – I think it was the Rizzo trade that they got Wesneski. Um It's nine pitches, three strikes per yep. batter. Yep. 
uh, I, 114 times. It's more than I realized. So I guess I won't put it above a perfect game or a goalie goal, but. I think that's the perfect debate. Perfect game or goalie goal. I go perfect game. I think a perfect game is more memorable. Like you yeah. could say, oh yeah, Pecorino scored a goal. Yeah, but that's forgettable. Like, yeah, people forget that down the line. But if you got a perfect game, like you're etched in history. Yeah, and I also think a perfect game is very much a team effort. A lot of things need to go right. I know the pitcher gets the credit. Mm-hmm. A goalie goal, he rolls one down the ice and it goes in you- the net. You have a chance every game to get a goalie goal. Almost. If you want, yeah. If you want. Like uh, Mark Andre Fleury has been saying he wants one for years, and he ne- I've never seen him like even try. Yeah, you got to just pull the trigger one time and just do it. Yeah, know? exactly. Um, I remember that time in the All-Star game, the skills competition, the goalie got to take a shot at the little yeah. thing, uh-huh. and Mike Smith made it. And he also at the time was the most recent goalie in the NHL to score a goal. So I thought Mm -hmm. that was like really poetic. But in baseball, you can have a perfect game. Your team scores no runs. You're going to have to go into extra innings. If your team plays shitty defense, it's not going to be a perfect game, even though it's not your fault. You know, um, if you're playing and Dansby Swanson makes an error on an easy ground ball to shortstop, um, Justin Steele's not going to be able to get the perfect game. He could get a no hitter. A no-hitter is pretty much strictly in the pitcher's control. Yeah. You know, because airs, walks, those don't hurt you in the no-hitter game. But I don't know, man. There's there's a lot of things in sports that are It's a good conversation, rare. though. Dan. Yeah, absolutely. And then you start thinking about other things like, you know, a 500-yard passing game in the NFL yeah. or like one of those crazy five-touchdown games. Um, in the NBA, what's the equivalent in the NBA? Like a 60 point game, a 70 point, probably a 70 point game. All right. Like, yeah, 70 point game or like even hitting a half or a full court shot. But that yeah. happens a lot more often than you think. That happens a couple times a year. Yeah. that To me, like the full court shot and the goalie goal thing, there's a little bit of luck involved. Obviously some skill too. You know, I'm not out there. Goalie goal is more rare than a full court shot. Yeah. But like full court, so that's tough. I don't care who's shooting it. Like that's tough. Yeah, you don't practice that. And there, there's also a couple odd goalie goals that exist. Like one of Marty's three, he didn't even put it in the net. He, it, he made the save, and in making the save, he kicked it out to the, um, to the corner, and the defender. I think it was against the Hurricanes. The defender, or he grabbed the puck, it was a forward. He put it up to the top for the defenseman, and the defenseman whiffed on it, and it went in the empty net. Well, Martin mm-hmm. Brodeur was the last devil to touch the puck. Right. He, he gets the goal. Um, that that was one of, that's one of, I remember I saw with my own two eyes while watching the game. Talk about a weird thing, but yeah, Alex Nadalkovich, he's got one for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. We'll see if he ever comes up and plays in the NHL with the Penguins again at some point. Um, Good rookie season for Nadalkovich in the NHL that kind of struggled with Detroit, but they were stinky too. So I, I'd like to get him, see him get another shot with a good team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll see. Um, moving on, Frank Milan Lucic had to take a leave of absence from the Boston That's Bruins crazy. because of domestic violence issues. And now he has entered the league's um, health and safety protocol or whatever it is, the rehab protocol. Um, might be the end of the Lucic era in the bees. Well, yeah, I mean, he pleaded not guilty to assaulting his wife, Brittany, after being arrested Saturday following an alleged domestic violence incident. Lucic was arrested on one count of assault and battery of a family member, which carries a maximum penalty of two and a half years in jail. 
Lucic's wife claims he became violent after returning home after a night out and he'd be and and had been drinking. According to the police report, um, Lucic could not f- find his phone and then yelled at Brittany because he believed she had hidden it from him. Um, while he was talking to the police, which this is a bad, bad sign for Lucic, he appeared to be intoxicated um, and he pled not guilty. So, I mean, that that's a, the wrong sign there that he was intoxicated during the whole um, situation, according to the police report. He's now taken an indefinite leave of absence, um, which I think that's what you said for the time being, while more is being investigated. The Bruins have the best record in the NHL right now. And this is the last thing they want on their plate is to have to deal with some legal issues going on off the ice. I don't think it's going to really hurt the Bruins offensively, obviously, having them out of the lineup. But this is just going to be in the back of their head all season until a decision's made on Lucic. And I agree. When something like this happens so big and it becomes domestic violence and you're a big uh, figure that people look up to in the NHL, you're probably out of the organization, right? As much as you might like the guy, like, I think I agree. It's the end of the Lucic era in Boston. Yeah, he's only played four games this season. He's been out with an ankle injury since October. So, you know, it's not like they really have missed him all that much anyway. All they've done is win since he's been gone. Um, You know, I think their loss to the Lightning snapped a nine-game winning streak or something. Like, the Bruins are just so good. And they they don't need Milan Lucic. I I know he's like a legend in Boston and stuff. Obviously a shitty situation going on right now. Um, We wish his wife nothing but the best. But, I mean, Lucic... He's not going to, you know, be around much longer anyway. He's on the older side, injured. Um, He's retiring soon. It it just seems to always happen to the bees, though. With these, you know, they signed that goaltender last year who liked to bully people or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, You know, that was an issue. And Marshan and Bergeron were like, what are you doing? Um, Now they got to talk about Lucic, you know, getting violent at home. Like, it's just weird. Um, Frank, a little bit of housekeeping. Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Devils calmed a five-game winning streak for them. They've been nothing but really good for a couple weeks now. They had a tough loss to the Vegas Golden Knights last week. but Or I guess it was earlier this week, right? Was it Monday? But, yeah. um, you know, it's it's a really, really good team with a lot of talent. Tough start. Been better lately. But I want to talk about Sidney Crosby for just a minute. He's been absolutely unreal. He looks like a guy who could have six, seven years left in the tank. If he played till 41-42, I would – if he was like Jumbo – playing at 41, it would not shock me at all. And I wrote an article, 700 goals, 1,300 assists, 2,000 points. That is very, very reachable for Sidney Crosby to be the NHL's all-time second leading scorer behind only the great one. What's your takeaway from what Crosby's doing? My thoughts on his career, possible goals, and just Sidney Crosby as a whole with the Penguins right now. It's crazy. He's 36 years old. And he's got 12 goals and 10 points or and 10 assists this season in 17 games at 36 years old. He's on pace for 58 goals and 106 points. And he's and that's crazy for a 36 year old player. I'm going to keep saying 36 years old because it's unbelievable. He's only been without a point in two games this season. That puts him on pace for the best season ever by a 36 year old player. And they have stats on that. The best season by an NHL player age 36. Do you know who it is off the top of your head? I know. I know Brett Hall had a season with like 37 goals at 37 years old. This is just strictly for 36. 36? It's a a legend in the game. 
It's got to be like either Wayno or Mario or Bossy. Timo or... Solani. Oh, Solani. In 2006-2007, had the best ever season for a 36-year-old player. He had 48 goals and 46 assists for 94 points. Sid is on pace to have the best um, career stats for a 36-year-old. Like This is going to be hard to keep up pace for 82 games, right? But he definitely has a chance to crack the top five for sure at 36 years of age. I mean, Sidney Crosby was also the third NHL star, to, star of the week. He had five goals and two assists this week in four games. I mean, the Penguins, however, on the other hand, have been a little lackluster from everyone was expecting. I mean, I, this is kind of what I was expecting from the Pittsburgh Penguins this year. They've been a little bit better as of late, but they're still struggling quite a bit. The depth last year is what was killing the Penguins. The bottom six struggles and, and you know, in lacks of scoring, lacks on defense. And like I said, there was a problem last year when they missed the playoffs by a point. And we're seeing that kind of return this year for the first quarter of the season. The power play, absolutely horrendous. 25th best in the NHL. You thought the power play might get a little better getting Eric Carlson on the on the point, uh, on the power play. And he, I mean, everybody kind of expected it to be better than 25th, which is just terrible. Tristan Jari has probably been the most inconsistent goalie in the NHL this year. I mean, nothing's going right for the Pittsburgh Penguins right now besides their top six. That's been great. So good for Sid, but the team overall, I'm just not buying it. Still not buying it. Yeah, they've been better lately. I don't know if I'm buying it either. Um, I was early in the season, then they got off to the bad start, then I kind of hopped off, then they won five in a row. I was kind of like, okay, is this the Penguins that we're going to see for the rest of the year? I still don't know. But Sidney Crosby, man, you remember when it was the year the Hawks made it to the final against the Bruins? Jerome McGinley was traded to the Bruins, and then he nixed the trade after the Bruins thought they had him. And then he said, I want to go to Pittsburgh and play with Sid. So the Flames traded him to the Penguins. And then the Bruins played the Penguins in the Eastern Conference Final. The Bruins won, got their revenge, ended up losing to the Hawks in the final. Do you remember all that with Aginla? Yeah. Aginla was seen as like the old man, the good old man still left in the league, like legend mm -hmm. of the game future. He was 36. He was the yeah. age Crosby is now. Was he really? Yeah. And that made me sad. <laughs> I was like, at in that year, Aginla was the same age that Crosby is. I remember thinking Aginla was ancient that year. And now I look at Sid and I'm like, Damn. They're getting old, man. A new era is coming in. I know. I, I just, I'm not ready for that yet at all. At all. It's sad. Sid the kid is far from a kid, but he's still Sid the kid. I. That's going to be a tough retirement for me. I hope I hope he does play a long time because I need to like I still need like three, four, or five years to mentally prepare for that. When Sid hang, when Ovi hangs him up, it'll be like you know he'll probably have the record by then. You know I know you don't think so, but you know he'll be damn close <laughs> if he's not um, five goals, eight twenty-seven. Um, he's got five goals this year. It's horrendous, VP. That's on pace for like thirty, which is way less than you thought. It is, You're but I about fifty burger this year. They don't fifty burger. No, okay, that's fine. But I still I prefaced it by saying even if he does he could go 30, 30, 20, 20. He could go 20, 20, 20, 20. He could go 20, 30, 20, 10. There are lots of ways Ovechkin. There can are do a it. lot of ways. There are a lot of, he's not that far. Like it's not he, looking great though this year, VP. It's, he's you know, if he ends the season with over two fifty, 
which he probably will score 23 more goals, I would think. Um, the, yeah. Then, then you only need like 40 more and you have three years left on your contract. Yeah, he'll be fine. Um, but I mean, when he retires, it'll be a little different. I'll be ecstatic because I'll feel he's fulfilled. I need, I want Sid to get 2,000 points so bad. <laughs> I want it so bad. I probably want it more than he wants it for himself. Um, Frank Tage Thompson got hurt. Tough injury for the Buffalo Sabres. Oh, man. The Buffalo Sabres, as it is, has had a very disappointing start to the year. My hot take was for the Atlantic Division was that they were going to end the longest playoff drought in NHL history by making the playoffs. But by the way, it looks now, it's most likely not going to happen. And I mean, they're not as buried as some of the other teams in the NHL. I mean, like, in fact, they're not even really buried at all, but they need to start stringing together a few wins in a row. And that's going to be a lot tougher with one of your top players out. I mean, Tage Thompson considered week to week. The Buffalo Sabres don't expect it to be overly long. I think they said they're hoping for it to be less than two months. Still, like, detrimental to the team. But not only are they losing the player, that skillful player and all the skills he brings to the team, but they're losing that competitive presence in the locker room. And, you know, sometimes when you're in a slump like the Sabres are, the most important the most important thing you're looking for is that presence, that positive vibe, that competitiveness in the locker room. And they're losing that too. So they're in trouble. Yeah, they are in trouble. Tage Thompson's one of the best players in the NHL. He had 94 points last year. He gets 40 goals with ease, it seems like, these days. So hopefully he's able to come back and help them. I want them to get it done so bad. I want them to get in really bad. Too. But, you know, they'll, they'll stay in the race all season long. They're not, in a ter- they're not Edmonton. You know, they're not even Calgary. They're not um, buried, like I said. They're not buried, but it's not looking good. Yeah, but they play in a very good division. It's going to be tough. If they were in the Central Division, I think they'd be feeling pretty good about themselves. <laughs> but um, they're not, so sucks for them. Um, Frank, it was a sh- only an hour and five minutes of talking hockey. Normally, we do about two hours, but it's a three-hour or a three uh, excuse me, it's always a three-period show. It is a Thanksgiving special, so we have to talk about Thanksgiving. So we're going to bump football up to period number two. Welcome to period two, where Frank and I are going to be talking about football. (laughs) Love that. Love football. I love football. I love yelling the word football. I love people who talk about football. I love listening to you say a bunch of random shit about football. That usually makes no sense. Um, Frank, we're going to lean in by talking about the number one team here at the Barroom Network. Oh, God. We're going to talk about the Chicago Bears and their epic, putrid, disgusting collapse to the Detroit Lions over the weekend. Frank, I got a stat for you. You're up 12 with three minutes. Sick. <laughs> Go ahead. You want to know something, Frank? Yeah, I want the stat. In NFL history, this league's a hundred and yeah, I don't want to know. This year's a hundred and three years old. This league, what was that Bear Centennial season where they had the sick one hundred patch? That was the eighteen nineteen season, I think. It could or be the nineteen season. So this is year one hundred three, hundred four, whatever. In a hundred and some odd years, <laughs> NFL teams who were plus three in turnover differential and had the ball 
for more than 40 minutes were 48 and 0. 48 no! When you had more turnovers than your opponent by three, and the ball for more than 40 minutes, the game's only 60 minutes. So if you have the ball more than 40 minutes, that means like over two thirds of the game, your team has the ball controlling the game. Until the Chicago Bears <laughs> blew it to the Detroit Lions by giving up, what was it, 14 points in the last three, three minutes, minutes of the game. They are now 48 and one. All time because your stinky Chicago Bears. No, your oh JP football. <laughs> he, he must be yeah, lingering. Yeah, no, He's lingering. No, he yeah, heard the whole yeah, hockey conversation. Yeah, yep, for weeks. For weeks this man heard the hockey conversation. Because we're talking football early this week, so we could talk Thanksgiving in the third period. So F you, Joe. F you. Hop on right now. I got a link for you. You send me a text. I send you a link. You can come out and air your grievances about football. Frank, what a disgusting collapse, though, by the Bears. You're I up mean, 12 points, VP, three minutes ago. It seems impossible. You think you've seen it all. And the Bears say, oh, yeah? You think you've seen it all? We'll show you otherwise. Watch this. I mean, it's, it was actually unbelievable. I don't care how bad the Bears are. That, that's a game you got to win 99.9% of the time. Hell, it should be 100% of the time. They were 48-0. It should be 100% of the time. ESPN Analytics had them at 98.9% .9 chance of winning with three minutes left. It should have been higher. Like, it's unbelievable. Should it have, though? They lost. <laughs> I mean, it should have been 99.9, and then that point one they lose. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, this is the Bears for you. Like, literally, they're just here to shove it up everyone's ass and just – Prove to yourself, like when you think you've seen it all. No, the Bears are here to change that perspective. I have a major issue with Matt Eberflus. I mean, this He's is the work. Get him off the team. They're this not going to fire him this year. He's got to go in the offseason. This is the worst coach in the history of the Chicago Bears. I used to have a hard time saying he was worse than Tressman. I no longer have a problem saying that because this man is like 6-27 and 27 as the Chicago Bears head coach. <laughs> Against Denver. They didn't kick a field goal to give themselves the lead in the end, right? They were going for the touchdown, and that came back to bite them in the butt. We shit on Eberflus for a full week because of that. They would have won if they kicked the field goal against Denver. All these weeks later, against Detroit, who is a premier opponent in the NFL, the Detroit Lions are awesome. <laughs> they are awesome. I like this. I've never heard that. And Matt Eber lose. That is very funny. He Eber lose this game for the Bears. Frank, they, do, they don't kick the field goal all those weeks ago. They go for the field goal this time. Frank, can you tell me what the difference is between being up by nine points or being up by 12 in the NFL? There's none. What's the difference? There's none. You still need two, two touchdowns. You still need two touchdowns to beat them, right? Right. Well, unless you get a touchdown and a field goal for 10 points, there's a little bit of a difference. The Bears? Kicking the field goal to go up 12, you wouldn't need two touchdowns. Only up nine, you need a touchdown and a field goal. So to tie. To tie. For a win. If you're up, that would be 10 oh, points. Oh, that's fine. Up. That's fine. But I agree with you, though. They I'm kicked a field goal. They kicked a field goal to go up 12 when they were up nine, 
instead of going for the touchdown to put them away. Yeah. But three weeks ago or four weeks ago, they couldn't kick a field goal against Denver. If you're up 14, the two touchdowns ties the game. Right. For the Lions. I'm sorry. I just I don't see a world where you you kick the field goal there instead of going for the touchdown. I would have rather seen them be aggressive and only be up by nine than be up twelve. Eberflus doesn't have any balls, VP. I told you that. They were gonna kick they were gonna what were they gonna punt on fourth and inches that one game with uh whatever his name is? Yeah, and and, and when me, the game didn't matter, you're not gonna punt on fourth and inches when you're on the forty yard line of the Saints. What are you doing? Yeah, no, that was terrible. They that sent out the punting unit until it was reviewed for the first time. Why are you punting? The season's over. Yeah. We're going to punt on fourth and inch. I can go out and get an inch. And the season's <laughs> over in terms of making playoffs, but it's not over in terms of evaluating people for the future. Right. Going out and beating the Lions, going out and beating the Lions, a lot of people would have benefited from that on the team. You know, I thought, I thought the team, the defense played very well until the fourth quarter, which – they shouldn't have been put in that position anyway. That's not all on them, and there's still a lot of development to go. I thought Montez Sweat was awesome. I think Darnell Wright is one of the best offensive linemen the Bears have drafted in years. He's, I think pro football focus has him as like a top five offensive guard, right guard in the NFL right now. He's a little injured, so like what he's a little injured, and he's like 20. So what happens next year or the year after or the year after when he's not injured and a little bit more developed? The Bears could have like a top three guard on the right side in the entire NFL. And he's going against Aiden Hutchinson, who beats him the one time when Justin Fields is going for it. You know, when they're trying to get the lead back after they surrendered the lead and they had 30 seconds or whatever, Aiden Hutchinson's going to beat Darnell Wright in that situation. 100%, and he strip sacks. Justin Fields and the Lions, it goes out of the end zone, so it's a safety. I mean, it was just a mind-boggling game. The, do you remember the deep ball that Justin threw and Tyler? Is it yeah. Tyler Scott? He missed it. Justin Fields. Everybody was saying he, he overthrew it. No, Justin Fields did not really overthrew it. Scott stopped running, but that's not even the issue I have. The issue I have is the three plays before that, they ran the ball right into the offensive line of scrimmage. And got tackled. If you're gonna be an idiot and not be aggressive, at least make the other team waste their timeouts. You throw this deep ball to Scott. Scott, the clock is stopped. Detroit is able to get the ball and basically do what they please. And I know Jared Goff had a lousy game. It was probably his worst game of the season. Jared Goff can lead a touchdown-winning drive with two minutes left. He has proven it. It took. Tom Brady and the New England Patriots to have like a sick, you know, end of game comeback to beat the Rams in the Super Bowl when they had Goff. And, you know, Gronk made that catch in the end zone that was unreal on the double team. But like Jared Goff, he's a decent player now, especially with Detroit. He's He's been really good there. So, you know, Matt Eberflus is a doofus. He's just a boob. He's just an absolute boob. Eber boob. Eber boob. I mean, this guy... He has no balls. It seems like his strategy is terrible. And there are times where I, I honestly believe if I had the headset in the la in the fourth quarter, the Bears would have won. I believe it. Because we would not have kicked a field goal. I, I said it in real time. We would not have kicked a field goal. We 
would have gone for the touchdown, and if we missed, there would have been more time missing from the clock, and we would be up by nine instead of 12, but there would be less time on the clock, and they wouldn't have any timeouts. Eberflus doesn't take chances. That's his no. biggest flaw. No matter what. He's by the book. It could be fourth down in a pubic here, and he'd be like, we got a pump. We got a pump. Meanwhile, Punt team, come on. Meanwhile, I'm watching the Philadelphia Eagles play on Monday Night Football, which we're going to, you know, it's just a good segue into that conversation because that was the next bullet point we have. And they don't miss on the freaking butt push or whatever the hell they call oh, it. Oh, yeah, it's, it's the tush push. Like nearly impossible to stop. I think they've attempted it 58 times and converted 54. Yeah, they've only it's missed something it four stupid times. like they've that. They've only missed it four times. Yeah. It's something, yeah, it's something dumb like that. And they got it every time. And listen. <clears throat> Jalen Hurts is a great quarterback. Swift is a great running back. The guys pushing Jalen Hurts, yes, they do their job. They execute it well. Without Jason Kelsey, the tush push doesn't work. The Bears don't have a center well, like why. Jason Kelsey. Not every team could do it. No, not every team could do it. That's why the thought of like outlawing it to me is just ridiculous. Yeah, you just, can't. Just, just like the NHL, the NHL implemented the trapezoid because Martin Brodeur was really good at going behind the net and making stretch passes to his forwards, and it was like having a third defenseman. Well, why is that illegal now? Because Brodeur was so good at it, but nobody else was good at it, so why can't the Devils have that advantage? Why can't the Eagles have this advantage? Jason Kelsey, he's the greatest center who ever lived, in my opinion. I've never seen a center. There have been some good centers in the NFL. It's one of the most underrated positions in football. Jason Kelsey's the best center I've ever seen. Without him, the tush push doesn't work. The Bears couldn't do it with Lucas Patrick <laughs> or, you know, one of those assholes playing center. for That just would not work. But, you know, I'm seeing the Bears not go for it, and then I'm watching the Eagles. They convert on it, you know, 97-some-odd percent of the time. They, try, you know, try a fourth and one. And it's like Jalen Hurts' fantasy owners have to be, like, rooting for – Eagles players to get tackled on the one yard line every single game because this guy just gets tush push touchdowns every single game. It, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, so the Bears suck. We're off them. What did you think of the rematch of the Super Bowl on Monday Night Football? It was a very good game. It didn't have those explosive moments that we saw in the Super Bowl, but it was a very good game. The Chiefs defense looked great. They sacked Hurts five times. He didn't look all that great as a nine and one team. I question a lot of the decisions Hertz made um, when he was taking some of his sacks. Like he, there were chances to throw the ball away. I mean, he was getting sacked. Like I was getting nervous. He was going to get injured the amount of times he was getting sacked and he wouldn't throw the ball away. But nonetheless, Eagles got it done in Arrowhead. Interestingly enough. And this just proves like how the chiefs have not been the chiefs this year. Cause this stat blew my mind. I, I'm wondering if you heard this stat. The Chiefs have only averaged a little over five points per game in the second half all year. Dead last at the NFL. It's insane. The Chiefs don't score when it comes to the second half. They got shut out against the Eagles. All 17 other points came in the first half. On top of that, no one on the Chiefs can catch the ball. They lead the league. They're dead last or first or whatever and drop passes. The team's a mess. But they still managed to be seven and three because of how great the organizations run. You got Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid coaching. So I mean, you're still seven and three. You're managing to get it done, but you're dead last or you're first in drop passes. You're you can't score in the second half, but it this this is they're not gonna win the Super Bowl. I don't think so if they keep this up. 
Because that's like devastating if you can't score any points in the second half. It's a different yeah. team than we're used to. Yeah, I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl either. I could see them getting there yeah, just because they find ways to win. Right, they do. But, you know, and Patrick Mahomes is an absolute dog. That pass he made to um, Montez Valdez Scantling, and he dropped it. <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know, I'm not – I truly believe if I had the headset in the fourth quarter for the Bears, like we would have won. I I do believe. I actually believe that. I'm not going to sit here and go, well, even I could have caught that pass by, you know, but Martez Valdez Scantling should be able to make that catch 100% of the time. There was nobody there. Mahomes put it where only Mahomes can put it. And you know what? I have question marks about the Eagles, too. What are they? Eight and one now? Nine and one. Or nine and one. But they find ways to win too, and they're not. It's the tush push. I'm telling you, they're not as sexy as they were last year, the Eagles. But they're they're nine and one for the second year in a row. You know, they're one of five teams with the exact same record through eleven weeks as last year, and it's with nine and one. And they're tied for the best record all time for the Super Bowl loser the year after. Yeah, that's actually incredible. And the team that beat them were freaking Zach Wilson and the New York football Jets. <laughs> so, you know, go freaking figure. But, you know, the Eagles are very, very good. I'm not sure a team in the NFC is going to beat them. I think Detroit has a chance. I think San Francisco has a chance. I One of those three teams are in the Super Bowl for me, though. Like I like what Minnesota's doing. It's a nice story. You know, Dallas is fine. Um, <laughs> whoever... Whoever wins the trash NFC South is just going to get mollywopped in the playoffs. Interestingly enough, because talking about the Chiefs too, I think the Ravens could give them a run for their money. I would pick the Ravens. I would too. Right 100%, now. 100%. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of the other top teams in the AFC, like, like the Dolphins. They might be able to outscore the Chiefs in America. They almost yeah. came back against them in Germany after going because down 21 0. They can't score. In, in the, the second, second half, half, none. So, like, the Dolphins, they can do what the Lions did to the Bears against anybody, the Dolphins. And I called them frauds. I, they're still going to be in the lower end of my top ten next week, probably, unless they really impress me this week. But I still think in the playoffs, they're never – I still think they're never out of a game because of how lethal their offense is. Right. So that, that, that could be dangerous in the playoffs, especially if the Chiefs aren't scoring in the second half. Uh, the Ravens, they're right there. The Bronze. Yeah. They could give anybody a run for their money. The Jaguars, they're seven and three, but they their losses are the Chiefs and the 49ers. Like, you know, like they haven't, mm-hmm. you know, but they got wins over the Bills. They still have a game against the Ravens and the Browns later this season. So like we'll see how Jets they play got against some pretty them. important wins. Is that what you're saying? Jets? No, Jaguars. No, the Jaguars. Jaguars. Yeah. The Jets. They stink, but they got a win over the Bills, a win over the Eagles. Yeah. A I win mean over somebody else big, right? That's why if Aaron is ready in mid-December, he plays if their record is good enough. I mean, the way it sounds is he's he's slowly coming back. I just to me it just doesn't seem logical. Like it's such a bad injury. It's such it's a, bad injury. a bad injury. His relationship with science is so odd. Cause he was Mr. Anti-Vax. He might you know, not I'm be not human. I don't know. He really might not be human. There's a chance he's not. I mean, the, the anti-vax stuff and not trusting what doctors say in that aspect, but then he trusts a doctor with this surgery on his Achilles 
and it's like this miraculous thing that no human has ever accomplished. Like I said, his relationship with science is very interesting. Um, I like hearing him speak on it. You know, I like to, you know, I, I don't have an opinion one way or another on most of this stuff. I think there's pros and cons to all of it, but you know, we'll see if he comes back. I think the AFC though, if Josh Allen can not turn the ball over, I think the Bills could beat so anybody. I know, and then he'll throw three picks next week, right? Like, well, he throws a pick every game. You could bank on that every game, no matter what. Which I don't. Uh, it's not the issue for me. But but he's still explosive. Did yes. you see? He, he broke the record for the most touchdowns thrown through six seasons. He broke Patrick Mahomes' record. Patrick Mahomes had the record, and we still have a ton left of the season. And I now am- he holds that record. I am far from a I am far from a Josh Allen hater. I would rank him third in the Good. NFL. I don't want you to be a hater. I don't want anybody to be a Josh Allen hater. I don't know if I would rank him third. This year I'd probably put him like fourth or fifth. But like he's been bad this year. But like he's also been good. I know. He's the most polarizing he's the number player. one rated quarterback in fantasy. I know because of how explosive he is. I know. He'll have three picks, but I'll have like four touchdowns. I mean, he's explosive. Yeah, he is definitely explosive. So the AFC is going to be a wild trip in the playoffs. Like, there's going to be a good team that misses, right? Like the Bengals without Burrow are probably done, right? Like, and we're gonna we they're could talk cooked. about the AFC North right now. They're cooked not, without Burrow. I, they're not like maybe done. They're cooked. Yeah, they're cooked because their division is so good. The Steelers yeah. are so good. Um, it's the Ravens division. I mean, think about it. Like boy, when it boils down to it, Bengals cooked without Burrow. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. Steelers offense doesn't show up no matter they what. Fired Matt Canada though. Good. Good. It's a big step. The Browns have the best defense in the NFL. Yeah. But, but to me, the Ravens are just all around better. Like I would agree. I, I, the Ravens, they've been number one on my list for two straight weeks, two straight, now, two straight lists, not even two straight weeks. They're just all around better team. Right. Like, yeah. If the Browns were fully healthy, then maybe it's a different story. But no, I got the Ravens winning the AFC North. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And I, I kind of hope they get to the Super Bowl. I, I've been, I've been I a lot of hate with them. I don't know. Well, I've been a Lamar apologist since he came into the league because there are a lot of issues with some of the people's critiques of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a running quarterback. But he's he throws a pretty ball, and that to me has just always been so obvious that he's got a pretty ball and he could make plays. And people get on him because he gets hurt. Well, that style of play that could get hurt every now and again. Exactly. I do think I do think it's calmed down. The brother won an MVP in 2019. Okay, who else has won MVPs in you know their career? Patrick Mahomes, um, obviously Tom Brady, and you know Tom Brady's the greatest player who ever lived. He didn't win the MVP every year. Right. You know, a guy like Lamar Jackson, this guy is unbelievable. I I think the world of him, I'm tired of kind of like being an apologist for him because it kind of annoys me that other people just can't see it for themselves. But I mean, this dude is absolutely unreal. And I, I hope, I hope they make it to the Super Bowl. I hope they win the Super Bowl. He deserves a ring. These all-time great quarterbacks, I like to see them get rings. Jalen Hurts, same thing. A Ravens-Eagles Super Bowl, Baltimore and Philly. That would just be awesome. And then I'd love, like, what about Christian McCaffrey and the San Francisco 49ers, right? Eh, they're kind of like, boring me lately. They are, but, like, this, I like bro- them, this but brother's they're... unreal. He could be an MVP. He's not even a quarterback. Christian McCaffrey. I mean, yeah. I think the world of these guys 
I can't wait to watch the NFL playoffs. I mean, the, the downstretch oh of the season is going to be unreal. Um, Frank, there's going to be some really good Thanksgiving football that we will preview in just a second. Give me a surprise good and a surprise bad so far from the 2023 season. I think the surprise good is how well the Vikings have been playing without Justin Jefferson and with Josh Dobbs, no Kirk cousin. And like the Vikings are still very much alive right now to win the division. And Jefferson is set to come back because they played the Lions twice week 16 and 18. If they won both those games against the Lions, like we're talking about the Vikings potentially winning this division. I've been really impressed with what I've seen so far, despite how shorthanded they've been. Now, my surprise bad is how bad the Buffalo Bills have been this season and how bad Josh Allen's been. Like I came into the season fully expecting this is Josh Allen's year, and it might be. I I will stand by it. I'm not faulting away. I still have the Eagles, Bills in the Super Bowl. I'm going to ride and die with that. And I didn't expect them to be 9-1 and one like the Eagles, but I expected them to have a much better performance for the team overall. Like, they weren't even on my top 10 power rankings. Like, I'm not counting them out because I do believe in this team. I do believe in Josh Allen. I do believe in the Buffalo Bills. But I expected them to be much better than 6-5 and five through the first 11 of the games this season. It's just, we'll see what happens. I'm not giving up hope, but it's been surprisingly bad for the Bills. Completely understand. Um... My surprise good is the Houston Texans. They're six and four. They're four and one at home. They've won three in a row. Teams like the Texans make the playoffs all the time. Stunk the year before. Find a way to come back. They're not going to win the division over Jacksonville, I don't think. But you know, who knows? Maybe they might. They're only one game behind. That would be pretty cool. I like the the, I mean, I have nothing against the Texans. No, me either. And so I, I think they have a shot at winning the AFC South. If they're only one game behind Jacksonville and the Jags have the Bengals and the Brown, uh, the Ravens still to go. And I know the Bengals don't have Burrow, but they still have a good roster that could give a team a run for their money on any random given Sunday. So, you know, it's going to be – and I think they play the Browns too at some point. The, the Jags. Ravens? No, the oh, Jags. Like I'm saying, like for the Texans to possibly, but I don't think the Texans are going to necessarily run the table to end the season either. But CJ Stroud, he's just been unbelievable. He's going to be the offensive rookie of the year. Their coach is probably going to be the coach of the year. And the Texans are my surprise good. My surprise bad, you're going to probably be. I know Burrow's out for the season now, but the fact that they weren't even able to get themselves into a position to make the playoffs without Burrow is my surprise bad. You mean with Burrow, like while he was there? While he was there, they didn't put themselves in a position to still make the playoffs even if he got hurt. Right. Like, like for example, if Lamar or if Mahomes or if Tua or if Trevor Lawrence, if any of those guys got hurt, their teams probably still make the playoffs. They are in a position to make the playoffs still. They might not go far because they don't have their guys anymore. But the Bengals aren't even in a position to make the playoffs. And that was with Joe Burrow. That's my surprise bad. He was injured to start the year. It was, you know, to start the year. Half was like beef jerky. Yeah. So, you know, there was injuries and such. But the fact that the Bengals are 5-5 and through 10 games is very stunning to me. And, you know, I was really hoping – I was hoping this would be the year. They were the team I wanted to win the Super Bowl coming into the year because I want Joey B to get one. I was just wearing my LSU championship hat a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love Joe Burr. I think he's great, but they're they're bad, and they have some issues to work on during the summer. At this point, 
top 10 pick, add something to the offensive line, or maybe make a trade, get a receiver, something to help Joe Burrow in the future. It's not totally lost for them. No, not at all. Like, if they could win two Super Bowls still, I think, in Joe Burrow's. Like, Tom Brady went through, like, four or five retools in New England. You know, it's not going to be great forever. But I think with Burrow on that type of contract, you have to keep it going and pushing forward. But where they are right now is it's probably more my surprise bad is probably more surprising than my surprise good. Yeah. And I would have never – if you said to me before the season, Vin, one of these two things is going to happen. Which one? With C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson Jr. as top rookies on offense and defense, the Houston Texans with a new coach are going to go from – not worse to first, but they'll be a wild card team because CJ Stroud is an outstanding offensive rookie of the year type quarterback. Or the Bengals are going to be five and five with a lot of questions going into the offseason and a Joe Burrow injury. Which one do you think is more likely? I would have said the Houston one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But it is what it is. There's three games tomorrow, Frank. The Detroit Lions and Dallas Cowboys always host games, and then there's a rivalry-type game every night on Thanksgiving every year now. What are your thoughts going into these games? Well, the Green Bay game, obviously Green Bay at Detroit, huge rivalry game. That game's going to be good no matter how good or bad these teams are. Um, Yeah, I mean, obviously looking forward to that. That game starts at 11. I don't know if I'll catch the beginning of it because we'll be at the Turkey Bowl. Um, But Washington at Dallas – very interesting game. Another game that maybe Washington can make, be a little more competitive. I mean, Dallas is at home, so they'll probably win. So that's something they got going for them. The 49ers, Seattle. I mean, all these games have big spreads. So according to the bookies, like they're going to be blowouts. I don't think they're all going to be blowouts. Um, I think a couple of them could be competitive. If Geno Smith plays, Seattle host, he is playing. So there you go. They're hosting the 49ers. I think Seattle could keep that game close. 49ers have kind of been boring me. Um, I don't love the slate of games this year on Thanksgiving. I understand them. Like I said, Green Bay and Detroit rivalry game, that's going to be sick no matter what. Kind of like the 49ers in Seattle. The Dallas-Washington could be a little bit better, but I'm not in love with the slate of games, but I'll be tuning in to all of them. Yeah, I'll be tuning in to all of them too, of course. Uh, I would watch Pee Wee football. But – Green Bay is like the Bears in the sense of no matter how they are, I'll watch them because they're right. the Green Bay Packers. Like, they're my biggest rival. They're the team, you know, they're just one of those teams that I always watch. So I'm excited for them from that aspect. I'm kind of becoming like a Lions guy this season. I know they're in our division and we shouldn't like them that much, but, like, I'm going to see them in person on December 10th, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Are you going to the game? Yeah, against the Lions on December 10th. Nice. I'm very, very, very excited for it. And... Seeing the the last time I went to an NFL game, the team that the Bears played ended up making it to the Super Bowl that year. So maybe VP's the omen to get the Lions in the Super Bowl this year. You're welcome, Detroit. I've been to Detroit more than any other city besides Chicago. So really big fan of Detroit. I I go there quite frequently. Um, So we'll see what happens. I'm rooting for the Lions in that game, obviously. Um, and then in the second game, I would love to see the commanders take a big win. Over oh, so would I please, oh. please, please, please. And then the, on Thanksgiving as an appetizer, I'll tell you what, Frank, you go up to early twenties, Vin 21, 22, 23. Hey, what's your favorite rivalry in the NFL? You can't say bears Packers. What would it be? 
I would have with my chest out said 49ers Seahawks because it was um, when Kaepernick was playing for the 49ers and then the Legion of Boom and they hated each other. Richard Sherman going like this to Kaepernick after the game. It would be a better game back then than it is now. Absolutely. Yeah. And they were talking shit to each other. I loved it. And the the 49ers players, uh, Crabtree, that dude was awesome. He loved talking his junk to the players on the Seahawks. And you had Cam Chancellor and Michael Bennett and Earl Thomas. I mean, the Legion of Boom brought it. And I loved those guys. Um, Now I like seeing Richard Sherman on of the Amazon broadcast. So <laughs> oh, that's fun for me. Um, but I, you know what? These two teams, I think it is going to be close and I think it is going to be similar. You know, there, there's different reasons those teams are good now, but the rivalry I think still exists. Oh, and absolutely. I'm so excited for it. Honestly, uh, Thursday night football. 100%. There's Friday football too this year. Black Friday football, black Friday football. Is Dolphins, the Chargers? Jets. Oh, Jets, Dolphins. That's right. Dolphins are the Dolphins. I think. Yeah, I think well, vice versa. I think I th- the Jets are home. You don't say one of them are hosting it. Yeah, one of them are. <laughs> it's not on a neutral field. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's gonna be a fun game, I think too. I don't know if I'm gonna. There's a lot of hockey on. Friday. I don't think I'm gonna get to watch most some of it. Like I, I'll tune in kind of. I'll keep track of it on my phone, but I don't think I'm gonna be able to watch a lot of it. Yeah, there's a lot of hockey too that day. That and the game's like not like serve it to me on a platter it's like no if if it's a great game the jets win yeah i believe that the dolphins need to like smash them and they probably will um college football playoff same four no no what do you mean no 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 no. Washington. i was gonna say big big change washington's in at four but the top three georgia ohio state michigan washington well won't be like that next time no, no, it won't be like that next time. But um, you had to make Washington four. Yeah. For two reasons. One, they had that big win over Oregon State. Um, they earned it. I'm going to give them the credit where that's due. But Jordan Travis is out for Florida State. So nasty it, injury. I didn't even watch it. I, I was feel told like not to watch it. I didn't. <laughs> I I didn't see it. I kind of want to see it. But um, our buddy, our buddy, friend of the program, that bad. Yeah, our buddy, friend of the program, Skyler said, don't recommend watching it. So I took his word for it. Well, now I'm going to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) You savage. I feel like they had no choice but to drop Florida State out of the five. Like, you can't have Florida State make it to the college football playoff and play Georgia with a backup QB. Like, that wouldn't be good for the ratings. No one wants to see that. No. The Ohio State-Michigan game this weekend should be very interesting. I'm looking forward to that. I don't trust Kyle McCord. I think he's a dork. I think he's just as much as a dork as Eberflus. Um, I think he's overrated. The only reason they're rated that high is Marvin Harrison Jr., but that's beside the point. Um, I just wish it was primetime, but the Big Ten don't play primetime games. Like, what's with this? No, we should get Ohio State's at 11. 11 a.m., but Dylan told me they don't play primetime games. It, It must be in their contract. Frank. Or am I missing something? They've been playing at 11 for 100 years. Okay, it's stupid. That's never going to stop. It's stupid. <laughs> That's sacrilege to even suggest. No, no. Yes. It's stupid. Let's come on. You know, Oregon, Auburn is in the, the afternoon. You're the guy who likes to change with the times and like get up. I am. On. I am. But when I think of rivalry Saturday, you wake up, you watch game day, Michigan, Ohio State is first, the Iron Bowl second, and then there's a whole bunch of other rivalries at night that you flip back and forth from. But you know 
the Iron Bowl is going to be in the afternoon, and the the rivalry will be at eleven. That's just that's just religion. No. Do you question Do you question God when you go to church? No. I question college football gods. Well, it's always at eleven. He's wrong about them never playing at night. Ohio State literally played Michigan. Well, State no, no, no. State. They play at night, but the big games are never in prime. Time. No, that's the Big Ten. I know. There's football is largely a day sport. I know, but I just enjoy it more at night. I do too. I would have such, I my experience watching Ohio State Michigan would be ten times more through the roof if I was watching it at seven o'clock at night. I agree with you. I gotta wake up, get the crust out of my eye, get the tooth paste off my beard and sit and watch Ohio State and Michigan. Who wants it? I completely agree. I'm totally with you. But that's just the way it is. It's the way it's always I mean, I'll still watch it, obviously, but... Well, yeah, of course. I can't wait, though. It's going to be a sick weekend. Um... That's what I was going to ask. Well, football, you're watching this weekend, but you're trying to. Everything. Like the Black Friday game, maybe. The three Thanksgiving games, for sure. Locked in on the Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving football always hits differently, no matter who is playing. If there was no Thanksgiving football, it wouldn't really feel like Thanksgiving to me. No. I agree. So. I completely agree. Yeah, it's those games and then all the big rivalry games on over the weekend on Saturday. And then on Sunday, you got the NFL, the bears play the, the bears play the Vikings on Monday night football. There's not a lot of games Sunday because you got three Thursday, one Friday, one Monday. They're like the slates a lot. Less yeah. It's, than normal. it's a thinner slate. There's probably four games in the morning and then three Crazy. games in the afternoon. If that, not even something like, yeah, something and, like that. Is there bye weeks too? There's probably, there's probably there are, bye weeks. are there bye there weeks? Are. There's, are there or not? I thought there was. There was one week, I think week nine or something. One of those weeks had no buys. I thought that was strange. But then I was like, does that happen every year? I guess where there's like a week or two that have no buys. But um, I would want my team to play on the weekend of Thanksgiving. So a bye week would be kind of annoying. I know the Bears are on a bye. Oh, no buys. This yeah, week. I didn't think so. No buys. I didn't think so because of that. Like they, every team wants to be a part of the holiday celebrations. It says and, the NFL planned accordingly for the holiday week, and there won't yeah. be a single team on an NFL bye. That's smart. Well, yeah, because there smart. would be like no games. Yeah, exactly. Um, very interesting though. Football's in a good spot. Very happy for it. Yeah. Um, next week we'll have our top ten following week twelve. Should be a good time, Frank. I think it's time for the part of the show everybody's been waiting for. We are going to debate each other, yell at each other, scream at each other about the Thanksgiving table in period number three. Frank, nobody in the world knows what they're talking about when it comes to the Thanksgiving table better than me. Um, I am the king of all Thanksgiving tables. Um, In your opinion, what goes on a Thanksgiving table? All right. Three things you need. You need potatoes, preferably mashed potatoes or potatoes of some sort, mashed potatoes. I guess, I got to say it because it's Thanksgiving. You have to have turkey. But if I had no turkey, I'd be fine without it. That's a hot take, but I'd be fine without it. And I like to have stuffing because you only eat stuffing on Thanksgiving. really. I'm not going to eat it in July. You can make it. I've never met anybody who eats just stuffing throughout the year. But if I'm thinking Thanksgiving, I want stuffing. Those are the three, like, must go on a table for Thanksgiving. I prefer to have ham over turkey, but that's not everyone's first choice. 
But to me, if you have the best of both worlds, you have a little bit of both. You don't have to choose. But when I host Thanksgiving down the line, if I ever get the opportunity, I'm going to have ham on my Thanksgiving table for sure. Um, but yeah. I agree with you. People are so set on traditions that are over 100 years old, and it's kind of dumb. You can put whatever the hell you want on your Thanksgiving table. I do think the big three are turkey, mashed potatoes, and stuffing. Those are the things you mostly have on Thanksgiving at the time. I follow a guy on Twitter, Chuck Naso, big Sox fan. Mm-hmm. He does Thanksgiving. Oh. He cooks his whole family steaks and lobster with all the sides of Thanksgiving. Really? So it's steak, lobster, stuffing, cranberries, potatoes. You know, I'm sure, I don't know if he puts turkey on the table for people who want turkey on Thanksgiving, but I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's, it's fine. It's, now, it's fine. Now, could I, we get, we got to play a game. I'm going to put up a picture. Okay. And it kind of goes with this topic. Like what goes on your Thanksgiving, uh, table so i thought this would be the perfect time to share this with you i'm looking forward to it a lot um all right you see what we're working with here do you need me to zoom in a little bit vp no i that's fine okay i see what we're doing here we're gonna build a thanksgiving starting lineup for those listening to the um audio podcast version yeah. We're gonna. We got twenty dollars to build uh, a fantasy Thanksgiving lineup. If and you have to zoom in, you could zoom in on your computer too. Yeah, no, I'm good. In the five dollar row has some of the more high quality um, options, and then obviously four dollars, three dollars. Correct. I thought this would be perfect to do. Okay. I've done mine already, but I could go through with you too. Um, so I'd you got twenty dollars. You got twenty bucks. That's it. So. So you can't get the five dollar option in all of them. You have to nope. go. Can is five four three two one twenty? Uh, no, it's fifteen. Oh, so you, you got don't to, have to do five four three two one. You could do three fives and all five ones if you wanted to. And don't forget, at the bottom there's extras. If you want gravy for your mashed potatoes, that's three dollars. Oh, two dollars for biscuits and one dollar for cornbread. So choose okay. accordingly. All right, so I'm going to spend two dollars on. No, I'm I'll, I'll spend five dollars on a turkey. See, I didn't. I said screw the turkey. We don't need a whole turkey because you could spend three dollars on just the white meat or two dollars on just the dark meat. But I don't, I don't know what I both. like better. I don't know what I like better. I like both dark and white meat. But, so do I. But I don't need a whole turkey. Like I don't need to spend five dollars of my twenty dollars on a whole turkey. All right, you're right. You're right. But no, it's your lineup. But I'm just telling you my thought process too. Going through this, that was my thought process. Like I, I could x nay, I could leave out turkey, and I went with just some white meat for turkey. That's three bucks. And you can spend the whole twenty dollars and have as many items as you want. Yep. You okay. Can't go over twenty. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to take a whole turkey for five. Okay. Five dollars, whole right turkey. Yeah, you got 15 bucks left. I'm going to spend five on mash. Okay. And I'm going to spend five on stuffing, leaving me five dollars wow. for other treats. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> I have five dollars to spend to supplement the core. The turkey is Jack Hughes. 
The mashed potatoes is Nico Heischer, and the stuffing is Dougie Hamilton. Okay. You got to supplement the core with all your big money guys. Okay, so like maybe the pecan pie at two dollars is your Luke Hughes. Okay, is the, that where you're going with two bucks? Two bucks on the pecan pie. So VP is gonna have nothing to eat besides turkey as like your main meal and stuffing and mashed potatoes. But that's like you gotta have your main like not right. Like I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah I right? mean all these other foods are just sides too. But and, your mashed potatoes are gonna. Be and I have three. I have three dollars left. Yeah, it's all going on gravy. Three dollars so on gravy. Vinny's just having turkey, mashed potato stuffing, and gravy with a well, little. Pecan well, this pie. isn't my final answer. I don't. None of those sides, other than mashed potatoes and stuffing, are speaking to me. Like, so uh, here's what I did. Yeah, let's hear what you did. I said we're not going to do the whole turkey. We're going to go with a ham for four dollars. Okay. I'm more of a ham guy anyway. Four bucks? I, to me, that's a great deal. I'm a deal guy. And I'll throw in $3 for some white meat turkey because we're still getting the turkey. So now I've satisfied both parties, whoever's at, having my, at my house for Thanksgiving. We're having ham and we're having turkey. It's just going to be white meat, which is fine. I like dark meat too. I could have went with dark meat and saved a buck, but I know a lot of people like their white meat. We'll go white meat. So that's 7 bucks right there. Of course, I had to throw in mashed potatoes. Right, you gotta have mashed potatoes. I didn't do the gravy. I figure we'll just throw some like extra butter in there, and uh, yeah, we'll do that. So that is uh, twelve bucks. Then I did stuffing for sure, because I, I love stuffing. So that brings me to seventeen dollars. And my last three, oh, my last three, I think I went. With because I couldn't get pumpkin pie, I love pumpkin pie. I think I went with au gratin potatoes, which I don't really have on Thanksgiving, but I like them. They're good. And there was nothing really in the. I don't eat. I love cranberries. I just don't like the way they're prepared on Thanksgiving. There was really nothing else, but maybe because I have the potatoes, the mashed potatoes. I do. I really need au gratin. Probably not. So. That pecan pie is probably pretty good. Yeah, I took the pecan pie. I think I might switch it to the pecan pie, which would leave me a dollar. Could have some cornbread. I think I would add some cornbread because we have the dessert. We don't need carrot cake. I don't need cream corn. Beets, I don't like beets. The baked potato, I got a potato. And the, what's the to oh, tofu turkey? Like, why? Get that off my list. <laughs> like, nobody, no. It's just, I'd do cornbread. I like that list. You have a good Thanksgiving plate. I'm not. I'm not. I don't I'm have three dollars for gravy, but like I said, I'll throw some butter in there or something. It'll be fine. Yeah, that that would be fine. I'd be cool with that. I'm just. I'm taking the core three, and then pecan pie for my dessert, and then have I have gravy. I would put gravy on the turkey, the potatoes, and the stuffing. Is there anything on here you're like absolutely not? It um, we're not having it on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I would never eat beets. <laughs> uh, I hate he, corn. That it's a waste of a dollar. Yeah, I hate corn. <laughs> Brussels sprouts are disgusting. You like so, spinach, though. Yeah, I like spinach. Creamed corn, that's disgusting. I don't know what's going on with that casserole. It just says. Yeah, spinach. that's the thing. It says casserole, but it doesn't look appetizing. Oh, so G, G said green bean casserole. Oh, yeah. yeah no, get that away <laughs> from me. Yeah, it's, like, it's not needed. Yeah. No, 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 no. We got a um, lot of comments here. I think we each have a good plate. 
I think we each have a good plate. Um, uh, Paula says, do not disrespect the turkey. I drafted a whole ass turkey. No disrespect. Although it does, it, I wouldn't eat it any other time, I don't Lisa, think. Auntie Lisa said, that's a cool game. I thought it was cool to bring up on Thanksgiving. I thought it'd be fun. It is fun. It helps us discuss our favorite Thanksgiving meals. Bachaglut said corn holio. He likes corn. Corn. Sucks. I like corn too. It just doesn't always uh, degree, agree with me. And your mom said it depends on who's cooking the meal, which I completely agree. You can I mess up too. a turkey. It could be a dry ass turkey. Yeah, like in the Santa Claus when Bernard appears and he goes, this turkey's so dry. Haven't you people heard about basting? <laughs> and then, and then Bachelou said, cream corn for a buck? Bro, that's a steal. I do like cream corn regular, like more than regular corn. I can't do corn. Corn makes me want to lash out irrationally. Corn gives me a stomachache, but I, I don't want to stop eating it just because it does it. I like corn. Like, yeah. I don't want to deprive myself. Yeah. Uh, she's trying to get me to talk about her gravy. I could take her gravy and pretend it's like soda and just down it. I mean, this stuff, I want it in and around my mouth. Gravy, Thanksgiving gravy is outstanding. It's got the fattiness from the turkey poured into it, which makes it extra cholesterol, extra heart attack. But you eat this meal once a year. I'm thinking of like my Thanksgiving table, and that's why I spent $15 on the big three. And then I took a nice pecan pie with some gravy on the side. It's a nice Thanksgiving meal. So, Frank, I think we kind of somewhat answered it. But what's your Mount Rushmore of um thanksgiving food well here's the thing this is tough because i have an item on my mount rushmore that nobody would probably have like 98 percent of people won't have because they've never had it and i've never had it until i met jeep so i potato casserole is outstanding it i've described this last year but for people who don't remember and you might not even remember oh i remember it's potato in a dish with buttery like cornflakes on top baked and it's just it's unbelievable it's better than mashed potatoes it looks like talking about it is giving you a seizure so it, like, it's like, gotta I'm, be damn good it is so good we're having it this you're year. like like there's cornflakes on it vp they're so good they're it, it's unbelievable which because of that then it's like i'm thinking about leaving mashed potatoes off my mouse rush more because that is like my mashed potato because it is like mashed corn like or potato casserole. It's like the same thing. So why have both? George Washington and Abraham Lincoln didn't have any issues with multiple potatoes on your Mount Rushmore. I understand that. But then you think like stuffings on there, hams on there, and turkey. Like you got to have turkey, even though like I could do without it. But it, for a Thanksgiving food, it's turkey. So I think it'd go like potato casserole, ham, turkey, and stuffing. Mashed potatoes being a close fifth because I already have a potato, but it's also just because it just misses the Mount Rushmore. It's a need and a top food you have to have on Thanksgiving is mashed potato. That makes Un- sense. Understood. You need some sort of starchy potato on your table for Thanksgiving. Yeah, you do. There's I don't have a I don't have a a protein on my Mount Rushmore, and you got to have a protein on th- but it's just not like my favorite. It, it's necessary, but it's not like in my top. Um, and Paula says, Auntie Gio Viver Clem, she's making it for me. Yeah, I requested it because like, I love the potato casserole. It's one of the best things that I could have around the holidays. And we, we only get it this time of year usually. So I want to I mean, try it now. I'm, we're going like, to have to make it sometime. I don't spew these things just because I spew them. Like, I actually love it, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so, I'm sure. I'm sure. You would love it, VP. There's nothing. It's cheesy. It's potato-y. It's cornflaky. 
we're going to make it sometime non-Thanksgiving time because unfor- unfortunately we won't be at each other's Thanksgiving table uh, this year. But, you know, we'll see each other earlier in the day at the Turkey Bowl. But yep. we're going to be eating some uh, – we're going to be eating some potato casserole in short order if I have anything to say about it. Um, ham! <laughs> um, my Mount Rushmore of Thanksgiving food. It's got to be mash. Mash has to be on there. I got mash on there. I put gravy on there. Because like you said, when you think of your Thanksgiving table, you think of things you know. Other people, you know, I'm sure there are multiple disgusting gravies out there. I wouldn't just taste any random grandma's gravy. You know, gravy most often I don't love all that much when there's like a restaurant or something. But like Thanksgiving gravy with all the fats from the turkey, I want to like like a drug addict, like inject it into my veins. I love gravy. I could just drink it if I could. Me too. I would pour it down my face. There's different gravy though. There's turkey gravy, which is a little bit lighter. And then there's like the dark brown gravy. I like both, but I think I prefer the darker gravy. Really? See, I like the turkey gravy. The dark brown gravy, I could give or take. It's fine. But I'm sure there are some bad ones out there. Um, Stuffing. I really like stuffing. I love stuffing. I think stuffing's outstanding. I could dummy it. And I like it warmed up the next day. Probably better. And I thought to myself... Why don't you just put some in a side bowl and go warm it up in the microwave really quickly so you get that next day's type of stuff yeah. at your Thanksgiving table? I'm fairly certain that's going to be a play for me this year. I'm going to make sure my stuffing is red hot. And then pecan pie. If pecan wow. pie, if pecan pie were right next to me right now, I would have a slice. So no I, meat. I I'm not the biggest meat eater of all time as it is. And on Thanksgiving, I'll have a piece of turkey maybe, and I'll make a turkey sandwich at night. We bought special ciabatta bread to make turkey sandwiches like way later in the day, which I'm very much looking forward to. And that's where I start to incorporate cranberries because I don't like eating plain cranberries like some people do at Thanksgiving, but I like it as a spread on the bread with the Thanksgiving ingredients on the bread under it, if that makes sense. Almost like putting mayo, but instead Mm -hmm. of mayo, putting cranberry-like spread on top of the bread. That's when I like cranberry. But I don't like like high-quality cranberry on Thanksgiving. I want a can where you take it and you like let it come out, and it still has the indentations of the can in the cranberry when it's sitting there on the table. I won't even touch it because I don't like it other than as a spread on a sandwich, but I need it on my table. Like I need, need it. I don't care if I throw the whole damn thing away at the end of the night, that's likely what's going to happen, but I need to be able to be mingling at the Thanksgiving table. And when I look to my right or to my left, I know there it is. It's there. It makes me comfortable. It makes me happy to be alive at the Thanksgiving table when I can lock eyes with the cranberries shaped as a can on the table. It's like a little disgusting gelatin looking thing. I need to be able to look at it. It just makes me feel comfortable in my own skin at a Thanksgiving table. Something would feel way off if I couldn't lock eyes on some cranberries at the Thanksgiving table. So it's very important. Um, I freaking love Thanksgiving. It's my second favorite holiday. I I love everything that comes with it. Blackout Wednesday tonight, going out to have a good time. Thanksgiving tomorrow, turkey bowl, food, football, family, everything I love. Friday, there are 14 NHL games on Friday, I think. It's Black Friday. I'll be in Wisconsin. There's football. More family time. 
just unreal Black Friday celebration. And then the weekend is one of the best sports weekends of the year with rivalry Saturday, football on Sunday, hockey all throughout. I mean, and it's the true – like I've been celebrating Christmas since November 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, I've My car is set to 93.9. Like I listen to Christmas music for fun. Like I truly mean that. It It gets amplified starting on friday because then every every i'm doing that mostly by myself and other christmas weirdos mm-hmm. on november 1st through thanksgiving on friday everyone kind of starts to join me i'm not as much of a lone soldier out there doing the mm-hmm. christmas by myself on november 1st i mean i'm vinnie claus in <laughs> these parts i really am and i like being vinnie claus i like being known as that guy who likes um you know christmas a lot oh i find out no no free ads there's Santa Claus on the Coke cases. Your boy went out and got a 500 of them. <laughs> like they're, it's just, it's more fun. It's better. Life is better with Christmas. Thanksgiving starts the Christmas holiday. Second favorite uh, holiday by far. Um, Frank. Christmas, Christmas statistically makes people more happy too. I believe it. It makes me more happy and, and I'm a pretty happy person in general. Before you go on two things. One, we make with our leftover Thanksgiving food, we make crunch wraps. From leftover Thanksgiving food, like Love isn't that. that like like Taco Bell crunch wraps we make? We That's throw amazing. stuffing in there, turkey, potato cash. It's incredible. Like, what That's a better cool. way to you eat all your leftovers and putting them into crunch wraps? Absolutely. And second, my brother Travis said we made potato casserole a few weeks ago for Monday Night Football. It's fantastic. You have to have. It. We let's watch Monday Night Football sometime and watch and we'll honor Travis and the World Series champion Texas Rangers by eating um, potato casserole while watching Monday Night Football. So good, Frank. I need three things you're thankful for. Three that are like mushy real life things that you're actually thankful for, and then three sports related things that you're thankful for. You the want floor me to go all six. Yours. All yep. six. VP gets a front row seat on Santa's sleigh. Hundred percent, Vinny Claus. Well, it's only right that my first mushy thing I'm grateful for is for my beautiful girlfriend G. Every Thanksgiving has been that much more special with her in my life. Getting to have two Thanksgivings every year is not something everyone's blessed with. Some people don't even get one. So I'm beyond grateful to have her in my life. She's tur- like she's just made th- that much my life that much more better. And just celebrating with her every Thanksgiving is something I'm thankful for. Because like I said, not everybody gets that. So I'm blessed to have that. Second, I'm thankful for my wonderful family. Without a family, there is no Thanksgiving. I think sometimes family's taken for granted. However, not everyone has a family on Thanksgiving to go to. Some people spend it alone. I mean, people don't realize like how lucky we are to have a family to go to and celebrate with on Thanksgiving. So the fact that I have a family that loves me and I have somewhere to go each Thanksgiving, I'm grateful for that. Third, I'm grateful for my health and safety. The world's a crazy place. You never know when things could change in your life in the blink of an eye. So the fact that I get to wake up each day in good health and do things that I love most and stuff that I like, I could just go out and do what I want to do. I'm thankful for that. And those are my three mushy things. Now for the sports, I'm thankful. For the hockey gods looking over me and granting me Connor Bedard on the Blackhawks. This was a franchise-changing moment that I'm thankful for. That'll affect me for the next two decades down the line. Couldn't be more thankful for the hockey gods blessing me this past offseason. 
I'm thankful that we have sports to watch in general. A couple of years ago, when with COVID, reality set in. What would it be like to live in a world without no sports? Without no sports, we don't have this podcast. Sports are one of the biggest markets in the world today, and it only continues to grow with the addition of new sports and more people getting familiar with sports of all variety. I mean, there's a new sport, Jai or whatever it is. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's on ESPN. It's like wiffle like you smack a wiffle ball off the side of a building and it's like a brand new sport that people like i love sports and i love that people are getting into it i love when people get more familiar with sports but thankful that we just have sports all together and third i don't know i've said this before i think i don't know but i'm just thankful for growing up in the best era of blackhawks hockey i got to see three stanley cups from my favorite team with my own two eyes there are fans that wait a lifetime for their team to win a championship that never ends up coming. And I got three. Some people don't even get to see three collectively of all sports in their city. It's definitely something I was blessed with to have. And I'm hoping that I get to see another one in my lifetime because you never know. Nothing's ever guaranteed. So those are my six things I'm thankful for. I was looking at my sheet to see if mine were written down when I sent the picture because our three mushy ones are pretty much identical. It's very funny. Um, of course, my first one that I'm thankful for is Katie, my girlfriend. I love her more than I could ever love anyone. She has helped bring me, you know, to a very good place in, you know, my mental health, my physical health, my living like style, like just everything about me that's good is largely because of things she's helped me with. And I truly learned the meaning of better half you know, when I met her, you know, everybody says, oh, my better half. I never really understood that question. I used to be like, oh, my better half. I'm my own better half. <laughs> Not true. I met Katie and that was proven to be. So, you know, this will be our third Thanksgiving together and I could not be more thrilled. Each one keeps getting better. Each one keeps getting more exciting. So, you know, I would not be anything that I, this podcast, no, nothing I have would be as good if she didn't exist and wasn't part of my life. So I'm very thankful for her first and foremost. Second, you guessed it, my family. I love my family. Almost everything I do. I have like four or five core friends. You know who they are because they're your friends too. And they're like family. So they're lumped into this. Like outside of them, I mostly do everything with people I'm related to either by marriage or one way or like tonight I'm going out for blackout Wednesday with 80% of the people that are going to be there are people I'm related to one way or another. And I love that about my life. I do. And so I'm very thankful for family and Katie has an outstanding family too. So I, I have almost like extended the meaning of family and I'm very <laughs> thankful for that. And you nailed it with the third one too. My health and the health of everyone around me is something I, I don't take for granted. It's not something that, you know, necessarily lasts forever. It's something that you have to live each day and be thankful for the fact that you opened your eyes this morning like that. I do not take that for granted in any way. I try really hard to always be in a good mood and be happy no matter what, because there are people out there with far worse situations than you. I, I turn on the news and I see things going on in other countries that, you know, they, they just blow my mind. Like, how, like I didn't do anything special to be an idiot here in Illinois running a podcast where we talk about putting a rubber puck inside of a net you know there are other kids out there slaving to like not be shot you know and so i i take i do not take that for granted i think every single day my lucky stars that this is the life that was given to me and you know a lot of a lot of people to thank but you know it all comes down to those three things health and safety like you said um 
And then, of course, my girlfriend and my family. Those are the most important things to me. Frank, you're obviously lumped into that. You are my family just as much as anybody, obviously. I don't know if people even know that we're cousins, but I'm sure they figured it out by now. But, you know, you're one of my true best friends, and I'm thankful for you. You're lumped right in there as well. So, and in terms of sports, I wouldn't necessarily say that I have a lot to be thankful for because my teams mostly stink. But one thing I'm always thankful for, first and foremost, is the New Jersey Devils. They make me feel a type of way that nothing else does. Obviously, my girlfriend and my family are the most important things in my life. But besides them, the Devils, man, that, that's my favorite thing in the world. It's my favorite hobby. It's I love cheering on that team. They're not always good. They were good when I was younger. Then they stunk for 10 years. Now they're good again, but they've been struggling because of some injuries. And guess what? I haven't lost an ounce of faith. I, for some reason, I go into every game, but even when they stunk and Adam Henrique and Dinah Zubris were their two best players, I believed they can win every single game they played. And I believed the goalie was going to make a save every time. I believed every shot was going to go in. I still do, and I, I will never, ever, ever stop having that because that team is truly me. Like, outside of Katie, who has become a Devils fan because of me, and that just shows how much she loves me and, you know, cares about things I'm interested in. Nobody else is a Devils fan. That's like, that's Vinny's thing. When people see that logo, they think of me, and I love that. That means everything to me. I love, you know, you talked about being blessed by the hockey gods. Shit, I got blessed twice. I got a generational superstar offensive player and an all-time great two-way player thrown on my lap for the only reason was because they sucked. And Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer, they I could not ask for – I wouldn't trade those two guys. I know there are some better players than maybe, especially like Nico right there. They're probably like 20 to 30 centers. No, not 20 to 30. There are probably like 15 guaranteed better centers in the NHL. But, like, I wouldn't trade him for any of them. It's just he's a devil. He's my guy. Jack Hughes is my guy. Like, Bedard is going to be just as good as Hughes. If not, I wouldn't trade anyone for any. I like everybody where they are. The devils, they mean so much to me. If they ever won the Stanley Cup, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> Honestly, I can't even, like, fathom that idea of what I would do if they were, you know, the king of the hockey world for a summer. They came so close when I was a senior or a junior in high school. They came so close. But hey, you know, that team means a lot to me, and they always will. I love that people – there used to be the joke that Vinny was going to show up wearing a Red Devils jersey shirt. It wouldn't. They, you would know it's clean because I had like 50 of them. Most of them are all kind of ratty. I haven't bought one in a while, but I think I'm going to wear a jersey out tonight, so we'll see. But, man, I just love the New Jersey Devils. Um, second is the sport of baseball. Um, hockey's my favorite sport, but I connect to the devils with baseball. The White Sox are never going to give me anything special because they're a bunch of a-holes, but the sport of baseball taught me my love for competitiveness. I played baseball from five years old to 19. I was on a team of some sort from five years old to 19. That's a lot of years committing three to four months of your life to something. And I did. And I, I have no, not only do I have no regrets, my only regret is that I got older and I couldn't play anymore. That's my only regret. If I could go back and redo it all over again, I would. I love baseball. And to me, it's more the sport than any, like in hockey, like I love hockey. I couldn't play it though. I loved playing baseball. And 
it was just my all-time favorite. I would not be into sports if baseball didn't exist. It was my first love in terms of sports. So I have nothing but good things. Again, my favorite team shits on my face every single day, it seems like. But, like, they're not what I'm thankful for this year. I'm thankful for the sport in general. Um, And then the third thing I'm thankful for in terms of sports are, you know, the ability that I have and we have to project our feelings about sports. Podcasting, writing, tweeting, Facebooking. All the different ways that we get out our thoughts and opinions on sports, I'm thankful for it. I love being able, every time Ovechkin scores a goal, I go tweet it and I tweet about how awesome it was. Or I think I've written, I probably have written and watched more about the Canucks than any other team besides the New Jersey Devils so far this season. They're kind of becoming like last year's Oilers for me. And I could just go on X and tweet about a Quinn Hughes goals whenever I want. And people listen and they care about what I have to say for whatever reason. And I'm so thankful for that. So the ability to chat about sports is definitely the third thing I'm most thankful for when it comes to like the sports in general. It goes the New Jersey Devils, the sport of baseball, and then our ability and freedom to chat about sports. And Frank, it's it's led us to some of the coolest things, it really coolest people we've ever talked to in our whole life. We've interviewed NHL players. We've interviewed MLB personalities. Um, I would still like a good example is Tom. I, I love Tom just for being Tom, but we bond over hockey. And I think that's wonderful. Getting the chance to chat with him about some of the stories that he's told us. Like he told us a story about his first date with his current wife, who we love Paula. And we, they were at a Blackhawks game. Darren Pang was in net. And the other night, I saw it was an anniversary. It wasn't an anniversary. It was a goal of the Devils clinching the playoffs for the first time ever. And it was an overtime goal from John McClain. Who did he score against? Darren Pang on the Chicago Blackhawks. Like all these sorts of things, they connect to each other. And I, I just love getting to chat about it and hear stories from people who came before me. And, you know, I can't wait to tell my kids about Sidney Crosby and all that kind of stuff. Like, Chatting about sports is one of my favorite things about sports and absolutely mm-hmm. one of the things I'm most thankful for. I like that. That was a good uh those were a good six right there, VP. And Travis says, I'm thankful for Bardon talking hockey. That's why we do this show. We're absolutely. That. We're thankful for you too, trust me. Yeah. Absolutely. We are very, very thankful for a Just lot. Everybody who comes and tunes in, thankful for that. Um, you know, because when they chat, it makes our life a lot more fun too. We get to interact with them, and it makes it a lot easier. So Absolutely. thank you for that. Absolutely. I love it very much, Frank. That was an outstanding time. I love talking Thanksgiving. You have a hard 10 minutes to do America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking Bats. <laughs> Frank, America's favorite podcast segment of the week, Breaking Bets. The floor is yours. Well, of course, with the Thanksgiving games tomorrow, I have to start with the Thanksgiving game. I do every other Thursday night on here, so I got to include Thanksgiving. It's one of the biggest Thursdays. No, it is the biggest Thursday football week or day of the week, whatever. Anyway, starting off with Packers and Lions. 
What a beautiful game to start off Thanksgiving Day. A nice rivalry game. I love the lines in this game, but I'm not going to – No, you don't touch any sides here. We're going to go with Jamar, Jameer Gibbs, Jamar Gibbs to score a touchdown at plus 110. Two units on that. The only reason is we can't pass up this opportunity at plus value. He has five touchdowns in his past four games. He has the hot hand right now, and we're getting plus value on him. I expect the Lions to score a few touchdowns this game, and with Gibbs continuing his hot streak in the process, I think it's very possible. Got to ride the hot hand when you're getting a guy to score a touchdown at plus money. It worked last breaking bet show, last Thursday, with um, Gus Edwards to score a touchdown for the Ravens. We're going to ride Jamar Gibbs to score a touchdown tomorrow on Thanksgiving and open up Thanksgiving on a high note. Second, I'm going to go back to hockey for today. Blackhawks at the Blue Jackets. I like the Blackhawks money line just for a unit, plus 125. Both teams have been struggling, but I like the way the Blackhawks have been playing more this year. Blue Jackets are in the middle of a nine-game losing streak, and I'm looking for that to continue tonight. Bedard makes them a threat to win every night. Korchinski has been moved to the top power play unit. Seth Jones has been moved to the second power play unit. Maybe some big things can start cooking on the power play, and the Hawks can pick up a win as underdogs tonight on the road. I don't know. The Blue Jackets may very well win this game, but the way they're playing, I like the Blackhawks' money line, plus 125 for a unit. Third pick, we're going to soar all the way to Sunday. It's the Browns at the Broncos. The team total for the Broncos is set at 17.5. That's a lot to me. That seems way too high. The Browns have had the best defense in the NFL this season, and the Broncos just struggle to score touchdowns. This is most likely going to be a low-scoring game, and if the Broncos get more than 17.5 points, then the Browns are having one of their worst defensive games of the season. So the Broncos' offense isn't overly dangerous, so get this in while you can because I, I can't imagine the line stays the same some come Sunday. But I like the Broncos' team total under 17.5 points and a minus 125 bet to win two units on that. My final pick, also in the Browns-Broncos games, I like the Browns plus 2.5. At minus 105, bet to win three units on that. The Browns looked – oh, I forgot to put up my stats. I'll do that after. The Browns looked good with the rookie quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, last week. Their defense can allow them to win just about any game they play, and they proved that last week, how well their defense is and how well it keeps them in games. The Broncos are only favorites because, one, they're home. Two, they're one of the hottest teams right now, starting off 1-5 and five, and now they're 5-5. Five and five. And three, because the Browns will be starting Dorian Thompson-Robinson on the road. So I will gladly ride with the Browns and the rookie QB that they drafted this year. And they could prove once again that the future is here and that they shouldn't be under, and they shouldn't be underestimated. So Browns plus two and a half, minus 105, bet to win three units. And those are my picks. And we had a good week last week. We're, we're still above 50%. Um, still above 50%. The, the proof is in the puddings right right here. If you've been following my picks, it's been great. Um, yeah, that's what I got for you, VP. That's all I got. So. Frank, you did a great job. This was an outstanding episode. For those of you who are listening, if you like the New Jersey Devils, at 4.30, you can hop right on over to the Let's Go Devils podcast YouTube page where I will be doing game day live, previewing New Jersey Devils versus Detroit Red Wings in six minutes. So if you're here, you oh, need to hop over there right now and 
you'll be here with me and Shorts Guy as we get you set for that game. I think Sam Wu will probably be on with us as Woo. well. I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. Frank, outstanding stuff. I love talking Thanksgiving with you. I love talking football with you. And most importantly, I love talking hockey with you. We're going to be doing that for a century, so it's going to be outstanding. And is there any last words you want to get out before we say happy Thanksgiving to the folks? Just everybody have a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Um, I hope that everybody who's celebrating, it's their best year yet. You know, I'm always looking for the year previous or this year to be better than the year previous. So I wish that on everybody else. I hope that everybody has a great Thanksgiving and stay healthy and yeah, stay safe. Absolutely. We wish everybody in the chat, listening online, Spotify, YouTube, Apple, wherever it is you consume our content, thank you very much. We could not be more thankful. There are so many great people that are involved with this show, so many people that make sacrifices, you know, letting Frank and I go for two and a half hours so that we can do this show together, something we love. Um, we, we've been best friends we're cousins but we've been best friends our whole life and there's nobody i'd rather be doing this show with so i'm very thankful for you i can't thank aldo gandia enough for giving us this platform to sit here and spew about hockey whether it's college hockey the whl he don't care he's awesome with hockey and our our love for expressing it so we're thankful for him and all the other great hosts at the barroom network we got a lot coming at you with this weekend um all the different content football obviously um hockey Crosstown Crosstalk will make its return next Thursday. So looking forward to that as well. And again, happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe. Be cool out there. We will see you next Wednesday. And as always, thank you for listening.